For everyone out there on Utreon, if you if you're watching us live, you have to be on Utreon. If you're watching us later on YouTube, you want and you want to join us live, you need to go over to Utreon. U T R E O N. That's where we go. So I could like throw up guns like this uh, MP5 I got right right here. Um, so that's the thing to do. All right. Besides that, I want to remind everyone to go check us out on HankStrange.com. We've got a brand new website up there that was built by 2A Commerce. You guys can go look around. You can see all the different ways you can support us, all the different platforms we're on, etc. There's even ways to contact us through there and all that. Lola puts her deals, Lola's deals up on that as well. So check that out. Um, that being said here, I'm going to load my guest Spike Cohen. It's just me and Spike. I'm going to load him up and I'm going to kick off the start here. So, um, shout out to everyone out there in the chat. Hit those arrows ups and let's get this going right now. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation. Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Franklin Armory. Franklin Armory provides 100% U.S.-made firearms and awesome binary option triggers. Their focus and purpose is to provide freedom tools to all Americans, especially those in not-so-free states. So when you're in the market, please consider Franklin Armory. All right, here we go. We are live, uh, My and my guest here is Spike Cohen. Spike, I don't think you've ever been on the show, so we do jazz hands. I have not. We're taking this back from the terrorists right there. We do the jazz hands. That's like how we break the ice. There you go. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on out there. This is episode 865, 865 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. My guest is libertarian activist Spike Cohen. Spike, welcome to the show. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. It's good to see you again. We uh, we last saw each other in uh, Orlando at a, at an event that was sponsored by Gun Owners of America. Yep, and uh, it's good to see you. Yeah, that was very cool. I remember that. Um, I think we had uh, we had a dinner the night before that. Yep, and yep. lots of yep. uh, dignitaries there. I think that our friend Antonia Okafor invited us out to that event with you. You were you were going to be hosting a panel the next day. So Antonia yep. was there. Uh, congratulations to Antonia. She had a beautiful baby girl. Yes, yes. Congratulations, Antonia. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm trying to remember who else was there. So your lovely wife was there. Uh, what's your your wife's name? Is Tasha? Is it Tasha? Tasha. Yeah, Tasha, Tasha was there. Um, Maj Teray was there. Right. Um, uh, Devin and I don't even know if I know his Devin. last name. Yes. Uh, Perkins? Yeah, Devin was there. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Devin Perkins. Right. And uh, uh, Alicia Garcia was there. Yes. And right. someone else uh, from, uh, I think, Colorado, and I can't remember his name. Oh, but, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, what is the name of that guy? from? He's the guy from Guns for Everyone, I think. Um, yeah, he owns uh, a gun store. I know that. Who is that? Edgar. Edgar. Edgar from... And then, yes. my wa then my wife was there, but I can't remember her name at all, so I don't know. <laughs> We don't need to. We don't need to. My wife is Tasha. Uh, your that would make your wife uh, Lola. Lola. Oh, look at you. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your wife, because I, I think it was a nice dinner, and we were all talking to each other. But your wife, I think, and Lola sat right next to each other. Uh, she was oh, right okay. across from me, so we spent a lot of time talking to her. She's very nice, very intelligent, yeah. and beautiful woman that you're married to. So, yes, uh, thank you. Congratulations on that. You know. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and obviously she's married to a sexy man because 
you know, you're always out thank on you. the beach. Show. Yeah, thank no you. One, no you one know, gives us the credit. No one, right? no one does that. <laughs> thank you, because I always get, I get that. Your wife is so beautiful. Yes. Oh, my gosh. How did you get her? And I'm like, you know what? I I, I'm a very attractive man. And by the way, this is not right, because I've been with her for 14 years. Oh, wow. And the problem is mm -hmm. I used to look the way she looks, right? Like she keeps looking like that. And, you know, right. there's the whole black don't crack thing. Right, Ashkenazi yeah. Jew absolutely <laughs> cracks. And so she looks exactly the same. I age like milk. It's not fair. Right. Like, I, I used to be very attractive, too. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, man, um, I don't think you looked exactly like your wife. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> no, I mean, I just mean like we were both young and. Yeah. and, can, and, I, and can I show people she, a picture? I'm showing oh, people. Oh, gosh. Wow. I'm showing okay. pictures right no, now. No, good. No, pull the picture. There's your wife. Yeah. Look at that. See, That's a again, beautiful it woman was, right there. You, you it know. was more proportionate 14 years yeah. ago. I mean, that's an African princess. You, you know, you're cute, yes. but you, you don't, you know. Yes. You, 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 and now I'm you're just, not African princess cute, but you know. I'm definitely not an African princess, but I try my best. <laughs> Where is the picture? You know what? I need to find that picture of you on the beach. Let me see. Hold on a second. Spike Cohen Beach. <laughs> Didn't I see something somewhere oh, wow. of you shirtless uh, on a beach? Yes, probably. That's probably true. Yes. There was something yeah. that you did. A oh, here we go. <laughs> the internet is dangerous. <laughs> the internet is the, look at you so, on the beach and then look at you again, here showing your chest again not not quite african princess but close like like close right yeah listen lola likes believe it or not and, and like uh i'm half indian so i'm believe it or not i'm not very hairy but lola okay. my wife um she she likes a hairy chested dude i don't know i don't know what that's about i guess there's lots oh, well, of this women. goes this goes yeah. beyond him. This is like a first beard. It's yeah. like a chest beard. Yeah, no, yeah. I have a body beard. Yeah. <laughs> is it that bad? Yeah. It's bad. No, it's, it's bad. your... And let me see if I can show another picture of her here. So, so your wife's awesome. <laughs> wife's awesome. Is she... Is she... Uh, I where's had she? her come on the show. Huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I should have had her come on the show. In the, in the future, we'll have her on. Uh, where yes, is she yeah. from? Is she like from Canada or something? I don't know why I think. Yes, that in my she's mind. originally from Toronto. Yeah, 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 yeah. We met. Okay. We met online. She came down. We live in Myrtle Beach, which is where I'm from, mm -hmm. and uh, and she came down and we met, and uh, she fell in love instantly, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's been all it's been all downhill with you, me. with you from the with me, yeah, with me. Oh, no, okay. With me. Okay, I didn't know if yeah. it was just Myrtle Beach. Yeah, she's like, no, gosh, she hates Myrtle Beach. No, she <laughs> fell in love with me, despite Myrtle Beach. Okay, and uh, and it's it's just been nothing but nothing but a, a living dream ever since. Right. Okay. Okay. I understand. You know, and and so she's from Canada. What's her roots after that? If that's not being too nosy for me, is she like a lot of people in Canada are either from the Caribbean or yeah, Africa yeah. or someplace like that? What? Yeah, so she's West Indian. Her family's from Barbados. Barbados. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah, I think we were talking about that as well. My my family. I was born in Guyana. So. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Technically, it's 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 uh it's technically on the South American continent, but considered Caribbean. You That's know. still the West Indies, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's in there. Oh. It's it's in the Caribbean waters. You know, it was part of the right. It's part of the slave triangle. <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel like that counts as West Indies, especially yeah, since you're actually part Indian. Like it really right. should be. It, it, that should definitely qualify as West Indies. Right. Yeah. I don't even know where actual like the West Indies thing comes from. My mom. So like in Guyana, 
there's a lot of Indian people. I think Guyana, the breakdown is 49% people of African descent, 49% people of Indian descent, and about 2% people of Chinese descent. Oh, okay. Other than the Aborigine Indians that will come out of the uh, the Amazon, right? Because Guyana itself is about 75% Amazon, but most of the people live on the coast. So those Indians that are there, like my mom, her... Um, those people came actually from India, and after after slavery, and the, you couldn't enslave uh, the Africans, they were looking for people to work in the plantations, and they basically, if you were in India and you got arrested or something like that, or you were, like, trouble, they would lock you up, put you on ships, <laughs> and then ship you off to the Caribbean. So people wind up in Guyana or Jamaica, Trinidad. Barbados. So, th so they did the same thing in the U.S. where they said, "Okay, no more slavery unless you commit a crime," and then they just they yes. just changed it to the yeah. prison system running it. Yeah, Always been sense. like that. Always been like that around the world. <laughs> right, 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 so, right. That makes sense, though. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, you you were, I think, when we met you, was that how long ago was that? Was that during like twenty twenty one? Or that was two that. years ago. That was twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. So at that time, you were the um, you were running on on the Libertarian Party ticket. You were the vice president on that ticket. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, how did that go? I, I was very interested in and in how when those elections happened. Like, what were the numbers? I don't know if you have them. I mean, well, we didn't win. Um, I am not the vice president. Yeah. Um, so just, just you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. No I'm one, not, I'm no not, one I'm like, won those elections. <laughs> Let me just. Yeah, say no, yeah, no one won. No one won. We yeah, we came in lost. third. Uh, we came in third yeah. in all fifty states. Uh, it was the first time that the Libertarian Party came in third in all fifty states. Um, okay. So we were pretty proud of that. That's a good um, thing. We got. Yeah, no, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. We got something like uh, I think two million votes, which I mean, again. We didn't win, mm -hmm. uh, but we uh, we got two million votes, and more importantly, uh, the membership to the party grew by almost fifty percent. I mean, we 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 went into the race knowing mm -hmm. the odds of us winning were essentially zero. So it's the, the metrics that we used are you know not just how many votes we get, but how many new members are we getting? How many people are we bringing into the party? How many of those people stick around afterwards? And we actually had so much, such good uh, member retention that in 2021, our numbers actually grew slightly from the 2020. So not only did we uh, grow by nearly 50%, but we actually retained all or most of that membership. Okay. Uh, more importantly, that set us up for last year's elections where the number of elected libertarians uh, that are in office uh, more than doubled. And okay. uh, we have hundreds of elected libertarians. Yeah, around the country. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, again, you know, uh, judging from the success of we are still at the level where we're trying to get traction, bring people into the movement, bring people into the party, mm -hmm. and get more libertarians elected at the local level and work our way up. It was a smashing success judging it that way. If you mm -hmm. judge it from did we win the election? No, we came in third. Right. I mean, listen, it's a really tough battle that you have ahead of you. America is pretty much yes. a two-party system. That's right. what's creating all the problems. Um, you know, I, I'm someone that is like I've never really uh, played in politics, but I've always voted since I became a citizen back in 2003. And in the beginning of that, I just registered as a Democrat because to be honest with you, 
you know, I think that's what everyone does that comes from from outside of America. That's why they're always trying right. to make it easier for people to come in here. But once you learn about things that's going on or you think about yourself and where you are politically, you realize that you're pretty much, you know, like for me, I realized I, I don't think that I'm completely a Republican. I think I'm more of an independent kind of thinking person. Mm -hmm. I don't care about um like what people who who people are married to i don't care about people's religion and stuff like right, that right uh when it comes to the government though i think i'm very conservative i want like less government less laws you know so there's so you want so you want less government you uh -huh. want less laws you're right. certainly uh pro gun rights <laughs> yes but you 100%, also think that, thousand you also think that you also think government should stay out of people's personal affairs i do you don't really care about people you know, yeah. if only there were a word. Yeah, if there was someone who just a, maybe just a, one word to describe someone who is, uh, is say, maybe uh, uh, economically and, and government policy wise conservative, yeah. but also pretty permissive and really just lets yeah. people do what they want. Yeah. We, maybe one day we could. Come we've got to discover story. that. I think during this to podcast. Describe. Yeah, we maybe might we can figure out a word for that. Yeah, that'll be a great thing for both of us. Yeah. So you know what the problem is here in Florida? Like, man, this is one of the things I do not like about Florida. And I love Florida. But you if you register as a independent here in Florida, then you can only vote when independents are running in the general elections. Yep. Yep. I, and I hate that. So for a long time, even when I was voting for Republicans, I stayed registered as a Democrat and just was voting for Republicans. And then finally, a couple of years ago, uh, I think some somewhere right before uh, Trump became president, I decided, you know, what? I'm done with this. I'm just going to go all the way over uh, to the Republican Party. But I really wanted to be an independent. And Lola registered as an independent. And every time we had general elections, she couldn't do anything. She couldn't vote. Now, now she couldn't vote in the general, or she can't vote in the primaries she, when the party. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm mixing it up. She couldn't vote in the primaries. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. mixing up the general yeah. and the primaries. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She couldn't vote in the primaries, and it used to just make her mad. You know, so oh, yeah. Yeah. that's this weird thing that's hap that happens here in Florida. And I wish that if you, they should make something where okay, if you're independent, if you register as an independent, when we have the primaries, you just pick who you want to. That, so that's what we have in South Carolina. In South mm -hmm. Carolina, in fact, I, I think they actually don't have party registration anymore, if I recall. Mm -hmm. they, they may. I'm, I'm trying to – I can't remember that part. But in South Carolina, in each primary year, you mm -hmm. pick – you can't vote in both primaries, but mm -hmm. you can vote in whichever primary you want. You can vote mm -hmm. in the Republican primary. You can vote in the Democrat primary. Mm -hmm. And you just select. Like they have one day is one – uh, par uh, party's primary and the okay. other day is the other party's primary and you just pick which one you want and if you pick that one you can't do the other one and yeah. it doesn't matter how you're registered you obviously don't have to vote in the primaries if you don't want to but mm -hmm. you can uh, vote however you want to and if another party at some point when it when or if another party reaches major party status where they can now have primaries at the state level as well you can choose that party instead of the Republican or Democrat parties. And that, that seems fair to me. I, I don't I don't like the idea of, you know, you have to register because what happens is if you think that one side maybe represents you a little bit more and you want to be able to influence who their nominee is, but you're not sure that you want to vote for them in the general, you still have to register as being part of that party, which gives that party access to all of your voter information. That's mm -hmm. the whole point of it. Yeah. You know, it's all part. The reason why I mention it, it's part of this 
like two party system we have here yep. in America where the pendulum just swings between these two parties. And I'll be honest with you, as a gun guy, as um, you know, someone that I've already described pretty much where I'm at, but I'm registered as a Republican, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty disappointed in Republicans just as equally as I am in Democrats, yep. to be honest. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you think about it, the Democrats are at least honest about we want to severely restrict gun ownership. We want to severely restrict magazine capacities and the types of, uh, you know, accessories that you can have and all of that stuff. Some of them even go as far as to say we don't think you should be able to own any type of gun. Right. Whereas Republicans typically say, no, we think that, you know, we support your right to keep and bear arms. But mm -hmm. then when they get into office, I mean, Donald Trump to this day, Donald Trump had passed more gun control yeah. uh, led, uh, regulations than Joe Biden has so far. He mm -hmm. passed more than Barack Obama did in eight years. Yeah, Obama actually time, did some positive, like while, while he was in yeah. there, some positive stuff happened for guns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> against his will, but it still <laughs> happened, right? And yeah. so it, the one thing I said when Joe Biden won is finally Republicans are going to be, Republican politicians elected officials mm -hmm. are going to be fighting tooth and nail for gun rights again because mm -hmm. that certainly didn't happen under under Donald Trump. I mean, under Donald Trump, yeah. it, the ATF uh, introduced all sorts of new regulations, mm -hmm. which are still spiraling out today. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they recently uh, just moved to seize all FRTs and things like that. That's mm -hmm. all stuff that started under the Trump administration. Yeah. And, you know, Republicans, when you would mention it to them, you know, they were nowhere to be found or, or they'd say something like, well, but if the Democrats were in, they'd be even worse. Would they? I mean, I, they talk worse, but from yeah. a policy standpoint, would they? I, 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 it's, it's, it's the same thing with the deficit. Donald Trump talked about, you know, we're going to end the deficit. Then he ran up seven trillion dollars in debt in mm -hmm. four years. You know, the rhetoric can be good, but frankly, the Democrat rhetoric on things like criminal justice reform and police reform can often be good too. And then they suck at that. So I mean, it's, it's like good cop, bad cop between them. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's so weird. I remember, you know, when Trump first uh, was le elected into office, Republicans had a super majority. And those of us in yes. the gun community kept saying, OK, here it goes. <laughs> yep. This is your chance. Let's let's get some good stuff going here. And people even got excited. I mean, they basically they almost killed the suppressor industry because everyone thought, oh, we're going to we're going to get suppressors coming off the NFA. You know, we thought we were going to yep. get, uh, you know, 50 state reciprocity with CC. Yep. We thought we were going to get all this stuff on the Republicans. And they kept saying, you know what? Wait, wait until the midterms. Just just chill. We're not, you know. <laughs> I mean, Democrats, Democrats get in there, man. They, they go at it. <laughs> you know, they, they, On they, something, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, they get in there. They go for every single thing they could possibly go for. And the Republicans kept telling us to wait. And then things got worse. And even on the state level here in Florida, because of the situation in Parkland, um, Republicans here use that to put gun control in, into effect here in Florida. And um, yeah. I spoke to the to the uh, Republicans here that did that in the state of Florida, and they told me the same thing you just said. They're like, well, if you don't support us and you don't vote for us, if Democrats run Florida, it's going to be worse. Uh, uh, I don't know. How is it going to be worse? That's a threat. 
Yeah, yeah. that's ex- that's like extortion. Like, oh, you don't want it this bad? It's going right. to be even worse under these other people. And that's yeah. the that's the good cop, bad cop. I live in South Carolina, which mm-hmm. if you look at the number of Republicans, like Republicans control the state. There's mm-hmm. like one or two cities that have, you know, a, a little bit of, of Democrat uh, competition. But for the most part, Republicans run the entire state mm-hmm. and and especially at the legislative level and, and you know, the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. And they have been dangling uh, uh, permitless carry, constitutional carry for 10, 15 years now. And every time, and every governor who gubernatorial candidate says, if it gets on my desk, I'll sign it. And it never gets to their desk. And the reason why is the police union and the corrections union kill it every single time or, uh, lobbies. We don't have Mm -hmm. the unions, but the lobbies come in and say, no, we can't have this. Why the corrections unions give a damn, I don't know, but they work together with the police uh, lobbies and yeah. they fight it tooth and nail. And every single time, all these people that ran on gun rights go, I've spoken to our proud boys and girls in blue, and they've told us that this would make it very unsafe. And so I can't possibly do this. And then they run again on gun rights two years later. It's 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 BS. We saw some of that happening in Alabama. Let me get a com- let me get a comment in here from Night Train. Sure. Night Train says, unlike Democrats or Republicans, independents and third parties um, have to fight their way onto the ballot in all 50 states. That takes that's money. That's true, too. Yeah, that yep. takes money and boots on the ground. But even with both, an independent candidate will meet immediate trouble, excuse me, from state laws. And um, is that... It, well, let, is let, me that give an, let me give an example of that. In the state of Tennessee, if you want to run for office... As a Republican or a Democrat, you have to get 25 uh, signatures on a petition mm-hmm. just to make sure you're serious. You're not just kidding. Right. If you want to run as an ind- as an independent, libertarian, anything else, 50,000 signatures you need to get. Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to get into that and more. We're coming up on a hard break here, so it's going to be for a couple of seconds. Bear with us, and we'll be right back with Spike Cohen. Walther Arms has been making concealed carry handguns for over 90 years, starting with the PPK. Today, Walther is based in the good old US of A and still builds quality firearms like the PPQ and PDP for personal defense and competition. So when you're in the market, please consider Walther Arms. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Walther Arms. Right. Let's see. We're back here with Spike Cohen. Um... So, yes, um, I think we were, we were uh, talking about how difficult it is, you know, when you're an independent party to get on the ballot and, and everything that goes on with that. Um, you know, with everything you said, the strides that you guys are making, is it easy? Is it getting easier? You know, what do you all need to uh, so that we can actually get like uh, the Libertarian Party, for example, to be a viable, you know, challenge to actually, let's say, get in the White House. Sure. So I think, first of all, so there's two different things there. One is the regulatory environment for getting on the ballot in the first place, which Mm -hmm. is a huge huge hurdle that Republicans and Democrats 
post-Civil War realized that uh, that one thing they agreed on coming out of the Civil War is we want to be the only two parties. We want to end this, you know, other third parties coming in. And so over the years, over the course of about 30, 40 years, uh, they basically made it where it was functionally impossible to run uh, at the state or federal level as mm-hmm. anything other than a Republican or Democrat. Right. Now, a lot of that has been clawed back over time. Um, and and frankly, uh, we've been winning more and more lawsuits. A lot of bad laws have been uh, peeled back. Um, so there, that is in some ways getting easier. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's certainly getting better slowly over time. But the biggest hurdle we have is one that's in here. Uh, with the average voter. It's it's really one, even if we completely normalized the ballot, universalized it where it was every bit as easy for us to get on it. The reality is the average voter thinks Republican or Democrat. And if they hear a third option, they think, well, wait a second, if I vote for you, then this side that I think is slightly better than this side might lose because they don't get my vote. That's the the lesser evil vote or the throwing my vote away. And that right. comes from the good cop, bad cop routine that Republicans and Democrats play against each other. The, the average voter is not going to vote for a libertarian into the White House or even into the governor's mansion or into Congress mm-hmm. until they see what our ideas look like on a day-to-day basis. And that's the work we're doing, getting libertarians elected to citywide races, countywide races, state legislative races. These are races we can win now. We have the wherewithal to win now. And it shows voters what libertarianism actually looks like, not just in theory, but in actual practice. And that leads more in the areas that we have more local libertarians that are elected in those areas. Those areas, we have higher percentages of the vote for the presidential election. That means that people are going, oh, libertarian. Yeah, like my city council member or that person on the school board or that our our city auditor who uncovered all that terrible spending that was happening or whatever thing they associate libertarianism with. They're now more likely to vote for a libertarian governor, a libertarian president, a libertarian senator. So, you know, that's the work we need to be doing. I honestly don't even worry about the White House right now because it's not we need to run. Uh, you know, presidential and vice presidential candidates for ballot access reasons, for national messaging reasons, to have that, you know, the person that's carrying the banner every four years. But my main focus is on getting, you know, hundreds and thousands of libertarians elected across the country and building that grassroots up to that eventually we can seriously contend for the White House. Yeah, there's a couple of things that I think, you know, um, when you say that. One, one of the, 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 the thing at the front of my mind is, I almost feel like Trump was a third party president. And, and, and let me just just bear with me here for a second. He wasn't a, he wasn't in the okay. Libertarian Party, but I don't think right. he was really a Republican either. You know, and I from what I've seen in lots of places, the Republican Party really didn't support him um, on his run. And I know personally here in Florida from speaking to some people that were getting involved with the Republican <clears throat> Party here, they didn't want him to be. Um, the candidate for from the Republican Party, they didn't want Trump, and they didn't really want to uh, support him becoming president. And then I think even during his presidency, he didn't really have a lot of support from Republicans either. You know, um, so I feel like he was almost kind of that was like one of the closest we've come to to um, like someone from an independent party. I'm not saying libertarian, right? Right, right, right. but someone that really wasn't in either one of those parties. I don't think there's a lot of love for him in the Republican Party now. And he's, but for my whole life growing up in New York City, Trump was a Democrat. 
you know? Well, that's the thing, right? Trump was a, that's, that's what's funny was I, I remember when, um, Trump first started getting traction in the Republican party. And I'm like, this was the guy who pushed for the assault weapons ban. Like the, the, yeah. the, this is who, who this it was is weird. your guy. No. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It was I don't think and he's I get a libertarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that? No, I don't think he's a libertarian. I'm not saying he's a libertarian no, at all. Definitely not. No, I don't think he is. But it's a weird kind of situation that happened there with, with Trump, and that's why I almost feel he's like from the outside. But there's people who might be from the outside, and then they go because of what you're saying or what the conversation we're having. They go, okay, I've got to choose either Democrats or Republicans. I mean, let's look at Manchin right now, right? Uh, thankfully, he's holding up a lot of stuff. Is he really a yep. Democrat? I don't, I don't, uh, you yeah, know what's funny? Joe Manchin is a is a classic '80s and '90s Democrat. He's mm-hmm. more of a blue dog Democrat. But yeah, the Democrats up until we reached this weird era in the 2000s where it's seemingly both Republicans and Democrats just went. Ah, we're going to spend whatever we want. Doesn't matter. Like, like the yeah. debt means nothing. Inflation mm-hmm. doesn't affect us. We're way too wealthy to care about inflation. That's a poor people problem, and mm-hmm. we're just going to spend whatever we want. But in the eight, especially in the eighties and nineties, it was not uncommon for a Democrat to be a deficit hawk. Now, usually they would be more on the higher taxes side, but if they thought that spending was out of control on something, it was not uncommon for a Democrat to say that, and it certainly wasn't uncommon for a Republican to say it, um, even if a Republican was president. And then something, post 9-11, we started spending hundreds of billions and now trillions and tens of trillions of dollars, like it's not even there. But Mm -hmm. you know, there used to be at least a pretend semblance of fiscal fiscal accountability in in Congress prior to, to that. There was a weird sea change that happened without a doubt. I mean, if we go back in history, like, and and look at what happened here. Um, and I looked up, I looked at your Wikipedia. So I think you were born in the eighties, the early eighties. Yeah, I was born in eighty two. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little older than you. <laughs> you know, um, if you go back, Democrats were the ones wanting to put people lock people up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were they Democrats yeah. were very anti hip hop. I grew up in I grew up in New York City. I grew up in I, I came Tipper to America Girl. and grew up yeah grew up in in hip hop here. Um, I don't know did did Spike just freeze? Let me see. Uh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, yeah. So I grew up in that, and these guys were against hip hop, all these kinds of stuff. And back then, Trump mm-hmm. was down with all the rappers and Hollywood. <laughs> it's a weird thing to happen in America, and yeah. It's it's basically like they were like, hey, guess what? Let's just switch houses. You you come over, you live in my house, I go live in your house, and then we're yeah, just yeah, yeah. we're we're all dealing with it. So the second part of that thing that that I would want to know from you guys, what what are you you know what's structurally happening behind the scenes of the Libertarian Party that maybe folks who are looking at this obviously it's mostly gun guys looking at this probably mostly people who consider themselves to be Republicans or conservatives. There's a lot of us who consider ourselves to be, you know, in the in the middle of this. What is happening yeah. at the Libertarian Party structure-wise for us to think like, hey, these guys are really, you know, getting everything together here and this is moving forward. Is there like a leader, you know, who who's the leader of the of the party? How's that? I know when you ran, you were vice president. I forgot the name. What was the name of the woman that was uh, Joe Jorgensen. Joe, Joe Jorgensen, yeah. So is it like yeah. it is it it, does that work like it does in uh, the Democrat or, um, oh, we lost him. Uh-oh. All right. Hopefully I'm still feeding out to the people here. Yeah, we were having this problem before we started here. 
All right, so I got you back. Sorry. Um, I'm back. Yeah. There you go. So, um, yeah. I'm actually on the Stranger Palooza phone, Lola. So I don't know if your phone dropped out. Stranger Palooza phone? Yes. Yeah. Uh, are you there, Spike? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I don't know why my video is Yeah, you're frozen. frozen. Yeah, Spike's frozen there. Um, I, I don't see your phone, Lola. Um, don't see it. Yeah, I'm on something else. Maybe that's why Spike's getting kicked out here. Okay, bear with us for a second, guys. What's up with the T-Mobile thing? I'm checking that now. Yeah. All right, Spike, you still there? I am here. I don't yeah. know why I'm frozen like that, yeah. but I'm here. Like I said, for some reason... Yeah. What, Lola? Oh, okay. Yeah. I have no idea, but I think that's the reason why we're like a little... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so bear with us. Can you guys still... Uh, let me just make sure everyone is seeing us and we haven't been uh, kicked off altogether. Yeah. And we basically, like, I came out here so that we wouldn't have these troubles when Spike came on. And, and you, we, we had those problems anyway. So. Okay. <laughs> Try my, look for my phone. Yeah. Okay. Um, my apologies, Spike. We're trying to figure out why this, uh, why our stuff is uh, bouncing around here. I don't see yours, Lola. Yours is not coming up at all. Um. Okay, hold on. I see it. So, Spike, if we lose you, just dial right back. I see it, Lola. Don't do anything. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Uh, hopefully, we're still there. Oh. Okay. You weren't. You're off uh, my phone. I'm on your phone. Yeah. I'm on your phone right now. So let's see. It doesn't show that anyone's on my phone. Okay, I'm on your phone, though. I'm on your phone right now. Okay, I don't see the rings, but okay. Okay. Um, but I lost Spike, so hopefully I've still got the folks out there. So if you guys can, let me know if we're still, hopefully this didn't kick us off altogether. Um, yeah. Let me see. I've got Spike back on. Is that any better, Spike? There you go. Oh, kicked him again. Damn it. <laughs> oh man, this is a, this is a... This is okay, something. can you hear me now? Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm sorry about this, man. I know it's crazy. Um, uh, no problem. And, and hopefully we're still feeding out to the folks out there. So if you guys can hear us, let me know. Um, we're, we're just having some troubles here because we're not in a like traditional studio with internet and all that. And this And this week it's been good, but today, for some reason, we have Spike on. And everything decides to go I'm nuts. ruining everything. Yes, I'm ruining Spike. everything. Uh, the powers that be... Don't want yeah. you. <laughs> still here. Still here. Yeah, yeah. People are saying that we're still there. So my apologies to everyone. Okay, that you guys. Yeah, you guys have to refresh and stuff like that. Now, where were we? I have no clue. Um, what we were talking about. Okay, we were talking about what you guys are doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What are you doing behind the scenes there to make the Libertarian Party uh, stronger? Well, so the first thing is we've kind of we like I, I was mentioning before. I think for a long time libertarians were betraying our own principles. And by that, I mean, we recognize as libertarians, we believe that good ideas and good solutions come 
from a decentralized, voluntary manner. They don't come from a top-down, coerced, uh, forced solution that comes from central planners. It comes from people working together, coming up with solutions, creating demand, and then supplying that de demand and creating this sort of organic reach that creates the solution that, that people want. And we recognize that as libertarians, but then we our electoral strategy was to find someone who could trick half of Americans into voting libertarian just once, and then he, that, that person would get into the White House and they'd trickle down liberty on everyone and convince, <laughs> you know, they, they'd, they'd create liberty from the White House down. And it was a weird strategy that I think came from the beginning of the party where they never really expected to win any elections anyway. And so they just focused on the biggest race they could. And I think now that we're out of that phase and we're in a phase of where we actually do win elections, we actually I mean, they're mostly local and statewide races, but we do win them. That means we need to stop focusing on a race that we aren't in a position to win right now mm -hmm. and instead go back to what we actually believe. People are going to want to vote for us for the White House after they feel comfortable voting for us in Congress. And they're going to feel comfortable voting for us there after they feel comfortable voting for us at the state level. And they're going to feel comfortable voting for us there after they voted for us at the local level and seeing what we can do for them there, mm -hmm. how we can help them there. And so what we're doing is the strategy now is instead of try to get 5% running for the White House, which that's still a, something we're trying to do. But instead of that being our main focus, our main focus now is get a thousand libertarians elected at the local level. Get tens, hundreds of thousands of Americans, millions of Americans seeing every single day what it looks like when libertarians are in positions of, of authority in government, what right. libertarian governance looks like. And that is an actual viable feasible and comprehensive strategy moving forward from there. Mm -hmm. And um, what I'm personally doing is going around the country, meeting with libertarian affiliates who are putting up these candidates, meeting with libertarian activists who are pushing for various legislative and, and regulatory goals throughout the country to work on our shared goals. If someone's fighting against an eminent domain action in their city, I'm there to help. If they're fighting to get some kind of section, Second Amendment sanctuary bill passed in their county or their state, I'm there to help them with that and to make connect them with people who can help them even further with that. That's the work that I'm doing on the ground. And, uh, and we're seeing it pay off. Like I said, libertarian memberships at an all-time high. The number of libertarian elected officials are at an all-time high, uh, especially right now as a record number of, Amer number of Americans don't trust systems that are in place. They recognize that they have failed us. And if you recognize that the system has failed, well, that's not a Democrat problem or a Republican problem. That's a people that are in power problem. Mm -hmm. And that puts us as libertarians in a unique position to be able to say, yes, all of these people have failed you. And frankly, anyone in that position of power with that much power and authority over you would fail you because that's not how it should work. You mm -hmm. should be more free. You should have more freedom over your own life. These systems shouldn't exist. This yeah. much authority over you shouldn't exist. So so it's a perfect opportunity for us to do exactly that. You know, I agree with you partially. Here's the part I don't agree with okay. it. I think that it's also our responsibility. You know, it's I think it um, if you've got cities in America where they feel that uh, the police are racist or, you know, terrible, doing horrible things and they just mm -hmm. leave it up to the powers that be. Well, you know, you're you're a, you're a person living in that city. 
and you should be voting and you should be monitoring the people that you're electing and putting into power and then holding them accountable. Yes. You know, the mayor Absolutely. of your city should be in charge of the police department, you know, and, and you have that power to go in there. And I think that that same thing uh, comes down to to when we're, what we're talking about right now with the Libertarian Party, that <clears throat> we also have the power. We're abdicating that power to these two parties and letting them do what they want to do. But we're living... Exactly. We're living in a world, and I think it's where, you know, Trump kind of, like, proved the point of what I'm saying here. He came out of nowhere. He had a name. But because of social media, he could get his message out there and talk to people, whether or not his party liked him or whether or not, you know, the folks on the other side of the media was supporting what he was doing. And he was able to get his own message out there. So we're at a unique time, I think, in history where the Libertarian Party could do that same thing. If, if media doesn't want you... Um, to 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 uh, get in front of the microphones and talk to people about the Libertarian Party, you could still do it. People could still find. Oh, you. that's I'm. That is why we have grown. You know, mm. uh, only recently uh, I'm for part of this first wave of libertarians that are regularly getting on national media. Now that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. two or three years ago that, you know, you didn't have libertarians who were routinely getting on cable news. And frankly, it's mm -hmm. not just me. There's a whole new uh, a generation of libertarians, Hannah Cox, Olivia Rondo, mm -hmm. uh, Brad Palumbo, and, and many others who are routinely getting on, on major podcasts, on national media. And that didn't exist before. And the reason that has happened, we came out of the internet. We're all a bunch of internet libertarians who made our connections that way and built our to a level of prominence where now we're getting featured in that that next tier up of media and frankly it's now reaching a point where that so-called alternative media is bigger than the traditional media yep. joe rogan yep. gets something like 10 to 12 million views of on an average episode of his show 12 10 million views is something like uh, 15 or 20 times higher than cnn's average daily ratings Mm -hmm. He does this with one show every few days, week or so, however long he puts out. However yeah. long and he's he not news, despite what everything, despite everything that's going he's, on. He's not news. He's not an anchor. He's, no. he's not yep. a, a, a news outlet. <laughs> he's nope. an entertainment outlet. Nope. He's a dude having a yes. conversation with other dudes and dudettes, if you, if you want to put it that way. You know, well, um, and, and, and the beauty and the beauty of that is it's showing that's actually what the public wants. They don't want some schmuck in a suit saying, uh, this is what's happening. Uh, here are three carefully cultivated people in a panel. And I'm, I say this, I'm on panels all the time. Yeah. But here are three carefully cultivated people, and they're going to tell you the allowable you know, uh, a square of opinion you're allowed to be in, you're the Overton window you're allowed to think within. If you think anything differently from what these two or three people say, you're something very wrong with you. You're a bad person, and frankly, you're probably spreading misinformation. And then Joe Rogan is saying, no, I'm going to have people on who I agree with, people who I have on who I disagree with, people I have on that I don't even know what, what I think. I'm going to have other people on that are just entertaining, and we're going to have conversations. They're going to last for hours, mm -hmm. and people are engaging more with that than they are with this old, tired, top-down model. And I do think that libertarians are excelling in this new environment precisely because we are the ones saying – this whole top-down thing is nonsense. Mm -hmm. Governments telling corporations to tell you what to think is the model that got us in the mess we're in now. 
What we need instead is people that are questioning narratives, people that are having hard-hitting conversations, people from a wide degree of diversity of opinions so that you can choose from what you're hearing and decide what you agree with and what you disagree with. And that's mm. not going to happen in the typical corporate media environment. No. The only way for them to stop it is to take control of the internet. Obviously, they're trying to yeah. do things. If you say things yes. that they don't like, they go after you. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Lola's, Lola's a pharmacist. She's been a pharmacist, I think, since 1998 or something like that. Um, and she posted on her own Instagram something about there's a certain day. Lola can tell me if I'm wrong on this. But there's a day when they encourage people to bring in old, old medications and turn them into the pharmacy. A lot of people keep those old medications around. They're dangerous. You know, people can go into your medicine cabinet and take it. Right. All right. kinds of bad things about it. Or people flush them down the toilet, which is not a good thing because now you're putting all these chemicals in the groundwater yeah yeah into yep. groundwater so she just did a thing saying you know um this you know today's the day that, that you know around the country you can bring in these old medications to the pharmacies well instagram deleted that thing you know and told her you you can't do that <laughs> you're not allowed to post about this <laughs> this is the, really this, yeah this is the world am i wrong lola i don't know if she can even hear yes. me right yeah she said so this is what happened yeah, um, I think. Oh, she put it in the chat. Uh, she she said it's called Drug Take Back Day, for disposal, and they they removed her post. Why did they say why? Because she is not allowed to post about anything medical, which is Lola is a pharmacist, <laughs> <laughs> and she's been that wow. for over like I don't know, probably twenty something, at least twenty right, three, right, right. twenty five years or something like that. You know, yeah. quarter of a century. It's insane. And that's the world that we're living in. But people know better. The majority of people know better. Yep. And this is where the power comes in. This is where um, now, obviously, the platforms want to retain the power. And if you say too much, they'll they'll kick you off. We've seen that happening. But we're also living in a world where solutions are coming about where. You know, we've got, uh, like you said, decentralized. There's decentralized solutions that are popping up now for people to be able to communicate on alternatives. We're talking on an alternative platform to YouTube right now. And I think that's going to get more and more powerful and people are going to seek that. And it's the greatest opportunity ever for us to do, like, to really do something about this, I think. What do you think? I, I agree 100%. Uh, I think decentralized everything is the way to go. I think that decentralized blockchain-based currency is going to replace fiat currency. It already is replacing fiat currency. I mm -hmm. think that uh, blockchain-based decentralized social media platforms, uh, 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 DAOs, DAOs, mm -hmm. all of these things are going to replace the top-down model. And it might seem scary at first, or it might seem like it's going to be too big of a mess or whatever. But if you mm -hmm. consider that we could actually go back to an internet where you can largely say and express whatever you want, and and I know this is going to sound insane, but if someone says or does something on the internet that you don't like, you cannot look at it. <laughs> and you can even – if it's so offensive that you want to make sure to never look at anything they do, you can block them so that you never see it again. And that's – and you can actually cultivate and control your own internet experience without someone else telling you what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to come from decentralized. Now, I, I, I want to say this. 
because I know Facebook and Twitter and, and the rest of these, they get a lot of flack because they're the enforcers. But in the same way that a lot of restaurants are getting the flack for enforcing the vaccine mandates. But let's be clear about something. Prior to 2014, 2015, around that time, the social media platforms did almost no censoring, no control at all. They might have something like, you know, if you put up something with, you know, graphic violence, we're going to take it down. Or if you make, if you threaten someone's life or, you know, something like that, we're going to take it down. But for the most part, it was a pretty wide open experience. Okay. Coming around 2015, a bunch of world governments came together, including the U.S. government, mostly U.S. and uh, Western European powers, came together and created the Atlantic Council. And the Atlantic Council uh, sat down with social media partners and gave them guidance on the type of uh, things that should and shouldn't be allowed on the Internet. And, of course, all of that guidance came with all of the protections and subsidies that uh, these governments are giving to big tech with the implicit that – if you don't do what we if you don't follow our guidance, you don't get the subsidies and the protections anymore. Mm -hmm. And so now you had Facebook and Twitter and these other big social media companies increasingly restricting the experience that people are having on their platforms. All of that came from government. So we're, you know, I know a lot of conservatives have fallen into, and, and frankly, a lot of progressives now have fallen into this trap of, you know, we need to end Section 230 or greatly reform it and treat mm -hmm. social media like a utility. The last people you want in charge of your experience is the government. Yeah. We need the exact opposite of that. If this top-down big tech type of environment was so permeable to government control, we need to walk away from it and move towards the utrions and the floats and all the different uh, uh, decentralized independent social media platforms out there because that's where our freedom lies. Yeah, absolutely. Let me get it to a couple of questions. I know Lola has one, but first I'll go to Brian Quick. I think he has like a question, a comment. He says it's easy to criticize current office holders and they deserve it. However, what specific policy prescription uh, do libertarians have that will solve a problem? Uh, just build your own isn't realistic. So... Well, I mean, it would depend on the problem. So, for example, uh, I mean, let's pick what uh, the big thing everyone's talking about right now with COVID. The mm -hmm. way that government dealt with COVID was uh, applying some really poorly constructed lockdown guidance, uh, followed by some even more poorly constructed uh, mandate guidance. And we've seen what that's done. We've seen the, the harm that that's caused. Um, what libertarians would have done is, well, first of all, we wouldn't have funded gain of function research testing, which is possibly what even created this uh, this virus in the first place. But mm -hmm. the other thing is we wouldn't have restricted testing. They're still restricting testing. There are hundreds of companies making tests. Uh, only, I think, seven of them or 12 of them are approved in the U.S. Why? Uh, we wouldn't have restricted access to therapeutics that had uh, successful uh, 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 trials uh, to be used. Uh, we would have uh, gotten all of this, uh, all, all the stuff that's restricting people's right to try different uh, uh, therapeutics and different treatments. Mm -hmm. We would have gotten all of that out of the way. We would have also recognized that a virus that spreads this easily, I mean, the, the Omicron variant spreads more easily than chicken pox. The idea that you can tell people you have to wear this cloth mask and stay six feet away from people and only go to the store if it's absolutely necessary, the idea that that is going to stop this virus from spreading uh, is simply foolish. And so we would have had an acknowledgement that, uh, uh, that basically with the, the Johns Hopkins report that just came out. Lost spike again. I'm not sure what happened there. Okay. 
Uh, okay, let's see. He's he's dialing back in. There you go. I'm still on my internet thing, so I'm not sure what happened, Spike. Sorry about that. Got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your audio. Yeah. Your, so there and, you go. there's your audio. A okay. recent report came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. A recent report came out from Johns Hopkins. The lockdowns did nothing to reduce mortality from COVID. We already mm-hmm. knew that, right? Mm-hmm. So we would have acknowledged that that stuff wasn't going to work. We would have let people live their lives. We wouldn't have had all the economic devastation uh, that has happened as a result of that. Um, mm. So, I mean, you have to go from policy to policy, but the libertarian policy in general is that a bunch of politicians sitting in offices who are completely immune to the consequences of their actions, even if they break the law, are the absolute last people we should be trusting to come up with solutions. We need to be looking at how much power we can take from them, how much uh, control of uh of our money we can take from them how much control of our day-to-day lives we can take back from them and to whatever extent government still uh is needed it should only be needed to protect the lives the rights and the property of the people and anything it's doing outside of that should be completely cut off because not only should it not be doing it not only is that a violation of your rights but they suck at it it doesn't Mm -hmm. work yeah and I think if I could just if I could just interject something there, obviously, sure. you know, I don't represent the Libertarian Party. Um, I would say we need to decentralize uh, how voting happens in America. Okay, that's one of the biggest problems that we have. Obviously, you know, everyone cries about it when it benefits them on whatever side. But at the end of the day, right. we're in 2022 right now. We have the we have access to better technology than this. We can secure voting and make it fair for everyone yep. um i don't i don't support things like when people it's weird that there's people who say oh you know it's racist if you have to show id to vote but then you have to show like a covid vaccine card to go in a restaurant that's craziness but we can, and, we can and, make and it, this better <laughs> and in some places it's not just a card you have to have a covid passport app on your smartphone <laughs> so not only do you have, to have an id you have to have a freaking smartphone and yeah. it better be charged have a good battery on it or else they're not yeah. going to let you in the, the store or the restaurant or whatever yeah. anyone either systemically racist to require id to do basic things or it isn't and if it is then these vaccine passports are as racist as it gets yeah i think we we, we have the ability to do this in america if we can have a cryptocurrency if we could have like bitcoin for example Um, If we could create NFTs and stuff like that, then we wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Barnul Ammo. Barnul has a wide range of reliable, quality steel case ammo for small game, large game, target shooting, and self-defense. They've got the classics like 7.62 and 5.45, as well as 9mm all the way up to 308. Subsonic as well. So when you're in the market, please consider Barnul Ammo. Okay, there you go. Yeah, what I was saying, um, I got so caught up in that, I didn't even pay attention. Um, <laughs> so what I'm saying is we have the ability to do it and we need to do it. It's going to make uh, it's going to make things more fair, secure. And, you know, I think with everything that exists now, people can would have the ability to make up their own minds, you know, and make better yeah. choices. Let me just Absolutely. go to this to this question that Lola has here. Uh, we're kind sure. of in the Gorn section, but we've got we got Spy Cohen. I don't know if you have. Uh, do you do you? I know that you're you're a gun guy because uh, that's what you invited me to talk about. But do you do you own guns? I have nothing within reach. You have nothing within <laughs> reach. Okay, that's understandable. I know you do. What was it you were saying? You do. By the way, this is a MP5 that we rebuilt, 
uh, with the help of BWE Firearms. So this is a, uh, you know, this is an SBR that I have here in particular, but um, always a bucket, like a bucket list thing for me, bucket list dream to have yes. an mp5 so i'll show that here real quick so you you were saying uh while we're here in the gorn section you were saying that you do some like machine gun shoots and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah. so uh one of the things we do when i've been going around the country one of the big things i do is to help raise funds for you know local and state uh libertarian party affiliates uh to be able to do the activism they need to do to be able to uh, you know, get uh, petitions for signatures to be able to get their candidates on the ballot, to be able to canvas for different activism uh, activities they're doing and advertising, you know, everything you need money for in politics. And so I will go and help fundraise. And one of the types of fundraisers we have, we call it Shoot with Spike. And uh, and it'll be events at like a firing range, um, outdoor ranges, indoor ranges, all sorts of stuff. And uh, and basically people come out and, you know, they'll pay uh, basically uh, uh, to be a part of the fundraiser. They'll pay uh, a certain amount to uh, come and hang out and shoot guns at the range all day with me. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, like I was telling you, in the last year and a half, two years, I have shot more guns than I have in my entire life. I mean, I, I don't know how many <laughs> That's tens awesome. of thousands of rounds I've, I've <laughs> fired. And, yeah, we have an upcoming event in West Virginia in mm -hmm. um, uh, in March. Uh, and if you go to spikecohen.com, all the details are there. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're actually going to a, a firing range that has machine guns and we're doing a machine gun shoot. And I don't know. It just says machine guns. I don't know if it's like, you know, machine gun, like a, just an automatic rifle or if we're going to be firing a 50 cat. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but we're firing machine guns that I, machine guns in plural. So uh, multiple machine guns are being fired. OK, so spikecohen.com, that's where it is. Uh MikeCohen.com has my entire, uh, you know, detailed itinerary. It is it this website events. right here? That's that. That's the site right there. I don't know who that dude is. That's a definitely. Back a, when I was a try. <laughs> that's a skinny. It's just a picture of Where me. I don't know why that. Looks is like. it under events? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be under events. Oh, here we go. So Friday, February eighteenth. That's your next event. Uh, uh, Libertarian Party of Virginia State Convention. Yeah, where it's uh, should be West Virginia in. Uh, Oh, the West Virginia event. Are we event, yeah. Is yeah. that not on there? Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So if anyone wants to know, I mean, it's SpikeCohen.com. You guys could go to and find that out. Um, he's got a bunch of, uh, of events and stuff like that coming up. Lola had this question. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about gun stuff specifically here since we are sure, a gun-based sure. thing. But Lola had this question. She said, growing mm -hmm. up in... Now, Lola's from Maryland. She uh, grew up in Maryland. Okay. So this is why I think she's asking this question. She said, growing up in Baltimore, when did Spike realize or decide that being a libertarian was the right lane for him? So I, I grew up in Baltimore, but we left when I was five. So um, so I, I, I was there relatively briefly. Uh, so most of my ideas uh, were formed when I was, you know, living in Myrtle Beach as a, as a child. Mm -hmm. um, I think I always wanted less government and I always always have been a, a, an absolutist when it comes to gun rights. I don't think government has any business telling anyone what they can or can't own. I think we should be limiting what government can have. Um, and I was always just in general, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, you know, you want smaller government, don't really care what other people are doing. And I thought if only there was a word for this. And so for the longest time, I thought that's what a conservative was. A conservative mm -hmm. was someone who wanted a smaller government. They wanted, 
government to be less involved in their lives. Um, and I, I, after 9-11, I kind of fell into the neocon propaganda that 9-11 happened because there were these terrible people on the other side of the planet. They hated us for how darn free we were. And we needed to go over there and spread our peaceful ways by uh, bombing and destabilizing every country in a specific region. And, uh, and I, you know, I believed all that crap. I didn't know the historical perspective on why they were actually upset and why these groups found, were formed and how the CIA helped form them and all of that stuff. And then as I discovered that and as I realized that we weren't greeted as liberators in these countries, that going to Afghanistan, we were just going to be the most recent empire to fail there. All of that made me really question, well, I, am I a conservative? Is that what I believe? And so the more I read, I started getting into reading, you know, uh, political philosophy, and I, I read everything. I read everything from from Marx on one end to von Mises and, and Hayek on the other end. And the more that I read, the more it just led me towards saying, I think I'm a libertarian, and uh, and that's 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 kind of what got me where I am today. It was really being disabused by reality and kind of forcing me to rethink what I what I actually did think. So my values never really changed. It was just a matter of recognizing that what my beliefs were were best described as libertarian. Yeah, uh, good good. Uh, I think that's a good answer right there. Okay, a couple things. I want to shout out Rob McNeely from Tusk Crypto. He's out there. Uh, Tusk is like, uh, they sponsor, they sponsor the podcast here. It's a firearms friendly okay. crypto that exists out there. So, uh, Rob McNeely is one of the founders of that and he's in the chat and, uh, he says he ran for Congress in the LP. What is the LP? Is hmm. that like lower peninsula? I don't know what that. No, uh, libertarian party. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it might be lower yeah. peninsula. I, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's Libertarian Party. Yeah, yeah, probably Libertarian Party. (laughs) What do I know? So he says he ran for Congress. Okay, there you go. So I'm guessing uh, Rob McNeely is a Libertarian then. He's in the Libertarian Party. There you go. Um, Maybe you you should run again. I can uh, link you up with uh, Spike. And wait, he says, I am from the LP of Michigan. So... Oh, okay. Yeah. Libertarian Party, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. LP of Michigan. So there you go. He is. um, I don't. Do you know Rob McNeely? I don't know if you do or you don't. I'm trying to think like when you said the name, it kind of sounded familiar, but I don't know if I'm magic. Rob, did I see you at the convention last year? Yeah. Let us know if you did see him, if you if you know, if you and Spike have met. If not, I'll do a intro between you and Spike. I think. um, Yeah, that'd be good. Things like crypto, there's a, there's a huge possibility there. I know people are looking at crypto for lots of different things. Like, you know, everyone's looking yep. at Bitcoin and Bitcoin's up and down and people are judging that. But we, we this is money is one of the ways that um, we're being cut off from being able to do things that we should be free to do. Right? Yes. So I, bo- this well, is, this is why I support cryptos. Go ahead. Well, and, and it's that it's, it's the freedom to be able to uh, to to purchase the things we want and mm-hmm. to and to engage in the things we want, but it's also crypto is an anti theft theft device. So the U U S fiat currency is basically a system whereby the U S government every year. I say prints out. They don't even bother printing the money out. They just add zeros to a digital ledger, but they print out 
trillions of new dollars. And mm-hmm. when they do that, they're adding all this money to the money supply. So they're greatly increasing the amount of money. In fact, I think they said 30% of every dollar created uh, uh, or 40% of every dollar created was created in 2020 and 2021. So almost half the money that's wow. ever been created in the U.S. was created in the last two years. Massive so they, they inflation nearly, is about to hit us, man, they, like a tidal wave. Exactly. They, yeah. they nearly doubled the money supply, but they didn't mm-hmm. increase the number of goods or the actual value. So mm-hmm. you've got the same amount of goods and value, but way more money chasing that goods and value. Well, what mm-hmm. happens? The, the amount of those dollars you need to get those various goods goes up, the cost of living goes up, and that's what causes inflation. In fact, the reason they call it inflation is because it's caused by monetary inflation, the inflation of the monetary supply. Mm -hmm. This is an act of theft. Mm -hmm. If I can print out an endless ream of money, monopoly money, and I can stick you with the bill for it, and I can use the bulk of that money that I just printed out and give it to myself and all the people that put me in that position, all the multi-billionaires and the crony corporations and the big tech companies that do my bidding and the government agencies that I want to, to use to control you, and I give you a $1,200 check or a $600 check, and I stick you with the bill for everything, and all of the price of everything that you buy goes up, I have robbed you. I have stolen your wealth by virtue of taking the, 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 the share of pizza and just cutting it into way more slices and letting you keep a slice, which is way smaller than it originally was. Mm-hmm. Cryptocurrency takes that away from government. It says, no, this currency is completely private. It's completely decentralized. It's used by people who want to use it. It's not used because they're forced into using it by the tax code. And We just are going to use this money and it's none of your business what we do. That Mm -hmm. is probably the single most powerful way that we can reduce the size, scope, and power of government. If government couldn't simply rob you through taxes and inflation to pay for things, they'd have to actually demonstrate that they're providing you with more value than their cost in order for us to even want to patronize them in the first place. Mm -hmm. And they'd have to do what restaurants do and and every other organization but the government and the mafia have to do. Prove that they have value and and, and make you want to give them your money in exchange for that value. And by doing that, you have a government that is less bloated, more on more accountable uh, uh, that actually uh, is providing you with what you want from a government and doing so in a, in a cost effective and cost efficient manner it's more honest and that all comes from the accountability of not being able to rob you anymore and that's what crypto gives us absolutely I don't think people realize like it, you know there's really a wave coming that's gonna hit people where they realize it like gas yeah. prices a whole bunch of things are basically subsidized. And at some point, it's going to yeah. smack you upside the head, to, and you'll realize what it really costs for these things now that all this new money has been printed. Yes. You know? Healthcare? Um, yes. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And right now, we actually have less things. We're, we're less things got manufactured because of what happened during, or we're still in, in, in this COVID crisis, uh, quote unquote, yeah. and there's less things being produced. So you're going to see all of those things go up in value in order for you to be able to buy those things, seemingly because it's going to take more, <laughs> more of that dollar that was printed in order to buy it. There's no way you can't escape from that. Um, yep. And well, and we're also. Uh, one of the things that that scared me the most from the lockdowns, and it was hard to 
talk about it properly during the campaign because I'm meeting people who aren't able to get cancer treatments because the hospital is only allowed to look at COVID patients, Mm -hmm. even though their ICUs are only half full. And, you know, and to try to try to say to them, well, yeah, but if you think about it, this thing with the supply chain is going to be huge. So I didn't really get to talk about it as much as I wanted to during the campaign. But the reality is, if you looked at what the lockdowns were doing to the labor pool, where it was playing, you know, red light, green light with the economy. Oh, this thing can be open, but this can't. And this thing can open, but only at 50% capacity. Uh, this thing can be open, but only five days a week. Uh, and it has to have, a, a, you know, a, a curfew and everything. And this entire industry we're shutting down because we've seen too much of a spread in that industry. Mm-hmm. What you were doing is taking an already brittle supply chain that has been made so stretched so thin and made so brittle from all sorts of various statewide and federal and international international regulations uh, that that are in place. And now you're saying, all right, also, you have to be closed for the next two weeks. You have to be closed for the next month. You are never going to open again. Uh, you can stay open. No, you're good. But you can't. And so you've got these really weird distortions of supply and demand. And that we're going to feel the ripple effects of that for years mm-hmm. and years. This supply chain stuff is just getting started. And yes, now you're adding the hyper in, or it's not quite hyperinflation, but the near double digit inflation that's in place now, that's only going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the labor pool disruptions and all of that, all of that is going to lead to less stuff that costs more money. Yeah. And the I think the labor situation is going to get weird too. Um, for yep. lots of different reasons. I know like uh, one of the things is in healthcare. I know one of the things you were talking to Lola about is, um, what was it, Wisconsin, that they forced yes. these uh, folks working at a hospital, couldn't leave and go get a better job because there was an injunction <laughs> against them leaving that uh-huh. hospital and getting a better job. Um, yes. You know, the so, cra- go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, here's here's what happened here. Uh, thanks to things like the vaccine mandates, where they basically the average hospital had to fire anywhere from five to 20 percent of their staff when they already had labor shortages uh, because they weren't vaccinated. But now they're because of the labor shortage, they're able to tell their vaccinated uh, staff who have active COVID infections that they can come to work even if they have COVID as long as their symptoms aren't too bad. But someone who isn't vaccinated can't work because that's unsafe. Anyway, so uh, as a result of that, it's crazy. (laughs) It's it's just insane. It makes no sense whatsoever. But Mm -hmm. so as a result of that, there's an extreme shortage of healthcare workers. And in certain markets, it's where entire hospitals are facing shutdown. And in Wisconsin, there was a group of of, uh, nurses and and I think nurse practitioners uh, who they worked for a hospital system called Theta Care. And they found another hospital system in the same county called Ascension who offered way better uh, uh, compensation and benefits, and they offered uh, uh, better uh, better hours, not as many hours. And so they all applied there, and they all got accepted. And so they went to ThetaCare, their, their current employer, and said, yeah, we, uh, we, accept, we took these offers, we, accept, we applied for these offers, and they accepted it. Would you like to match it? And ThetaCare said, no, that's way too expensive. We can't afford that. And so what ThetaCare did was they took these workers to court and said, oh, if they leave, uh, we won't be able to offer this care anymore. So this is a threat to public health. And the judge temporarily told the workers they had to continue working for the for their original employer. That's called slavery. That's mm-hmm. government enforced slavery. Now, mm-hmm. thankfully, the judge, I think because of public backlash, 
backed off and let them go and work for their new employer, Ascension. And now ThetaCare, who didn't want to give them a probably, I don't know, 15, 20% raise. Now they're having to hire travel nurses who make like double what they what they would usually pay. So ThetaCare got utterly screwed. But at one point, the government of Wisconsin through their court system, was telling healthcare workers who were under no contract, these were at-will employees, they could leave whenever they wanted to, no, you have to continue working for this hospital. That Stay is on that plantation servitude. until further notice. Yeah, exactly. It's literally, <laughs> sla- it's like literal indentured yeah. servitude or slavery, yep. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, you know, look, I see that happening. You know, Lola's a pharmacist. She worked entirely through this whole thing. This whole time she's been working um there was no vaccinations in the beginning there wasn't even mask mandates lola was going lola was uh, working in a place that was like basically ground zero where everyone came to be tested and then where everyone was coming to get uh vaccines and all that um and she just kept working you know and then after all of that when the vaccine stuff came in her and a lot of other folks were like you know what we don't really want to do this eventually they forced her into doing it you know, and and what you're what you're getting with people like that who actually, you know, there's this stupid stuff. When I go around the hospital, I see they have these stupid signs, heroes work here and all kinds of nonsense that they put up yes. there to make people, you know, it's just like a, a weird kind of double speak that they're throwing out there to people to make Very them think they're so. something. Yeah. But folks like her are really, really tired of this and they don't really want to they don't really want to do this anymore, especially under all the circumstances of what they've been going through. And there are people who want to go to other places. I think right now nurses are the most valuable. There's been lots of nurses moving around, getting paid a lot of money. I think doctors maybe are falling into that. I don't know if that's necessarily happening with pharmacists. Funny thing is, those are the people who are giving out vaccines and all of that. And certainly in Lola's case, that's what's happening. And there's nothing being done and you're just wearing out all these people. And then on the flip side of that, there's also people who get to stay home and make money for doing nothing. Then they have no reason for them to say, oh, I'm going to go back to working in the workforce. And we're wondering, like, what you know, what's happening? Why is there... Why are there no cars out there? Why why is all this, you know, uh, all these kinds of um, washing machines, all kinds of things that people manufacture, it's tough to get your hands on. We created it. (laughs) What do we think was going to happen if we did? We're going over two years now with this nonsense. Who were the people that they said were the heroes during the the initial truckers, Mm -hmm. healthcare workers? And uh, retail and restaurant workers, you know, the, these were the people and, and they were right. These are the people that our society grinds to a halt if we don't have them. Right. They're the heroes. And we'd watch the TikTok videos of the nurses dancing and, mm-hmm. you know, we'd celebrate their heroism. And, yeah. but, but now what's happened? Mm-hmm. The tr- they're vilifying the truckers. You saw that with the with the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Freedom Convoy in Canada. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're a bunch of uh, racist, fascist Nazis. No, they're they're just protesting against policies they don't like. They're allowed to do that. They're truckers. They're allowed to do that, just like mm-hmm. anyone else. The healthcare workers are absolutely being treated like garbage mm-hmm. after uh, years of this traumatic, seeing the absolute worst of this pandemic. I know the ad's about to happen. Oh yes, look at you being on point. 
<laughs> With arms lists, you can shop the extensive list of local and nationwide firearms classified. Now with more confidence because of their built-in firewall. For only $6.99 a month for personal use or $30 a month for business vendors. So when you're in the market, please consider arms list. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like arms list. That's so funny. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm enjoying the conversation when, when Spike. <laughs> I'm the one that points out it's about. Yeah. So after two, two years of absolute trauma, uh, seeing some of the worst parts of this pandemic, you think the average nurse, healthcare worker, the, the, the carnage they've seen and they're told, oh, yeah, that's going to continue indefinitely. Also, if you don't get this shot, uh, you're fired. And, but yeah. even though you've probably already gotten COVID like 15 times, uh, mm-hmm. that's not enough. You got to get this shot, even though mm-hmm. it's not going to keep you from getting COVID. Uh, really, there's no good reason, or, or there, 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 there may be a good reason, and you can make that choice. But we're not going to give you the choice. You have to just go ahead and get it. Yeah, we're not going to base uh, it on any kind of right. science. Yeah, we're, 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 you know, this is like we're just going to go. No, you have to do this. We're you not going to see if you, you have, have antibodies. It. Yeah, we're not going to give yeah. you credit for working for two years and not getting sick. <laughs> you know, Lola no. and I had something before everyone else knew that this thing was a problem. Actually. Um, yes. and, and so we had something that really knocked us out. And when we went to, to, when we went and got tested, they told us we had the B strain of the flu, but that was mm. before people in America were really accepting that there's such a thing as COVID. And then after that, yeah. we were good for a really long time. I don't think that that's forever. You can't, you know, yeah. but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nightmare. And you know, um, the, the, the weird thing is the hospitals are getting more money. That's why every single death, they're just marking it. You know, this person had COVID. <laughs> well, that was a problem, right? Yeah. So, so this is a perfect example of centrally planned solutions. Mm-hmm. So the problem is that respiratory ICU care is a loss leader. If you are a hospital that is told you're only allowed, you're not allowed to do screening for cancer, you're not allowed to do MRIs, CT scans, X-rays, uh, mammograms, you know, the stuff that keeps people alive long term. Uh, you're, you just, you only can do respiratory ICU care for COVID patients. You're basically dooming that hospital to lose hundreds of millions of dollars because they always operate at a loss with that, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the way they offset that was they said, well, but anytime anyone dies of COVID, we'll give you whatever it was, $30,000, whatever. And mm-hmm. so the hospitals are like, all right, well, since we're going to be losing a freaking fortune by not being able to do this other stuff, if you've got COVID, you died of COVID, right? Yeah. So and, – and and now it's funny because that used to be misinformation to say that, right? If you – oh, how dare you be a COVID denier? But – now you have multiple states and multiple health agencies and multiple uh, hospital systems that are going, yeah, we're cutting down the number of COVID deaths by like 15, 20 percent. Many of these people did not die of COVID. They died with COVID. They died of a car accident, mm-hmm. but they had COVID. They died of terminal cancer, but they had COVID. Most people they died probably of have COVID at one time or another. I mean, this is just. Well, that, ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This is just what's going to happen. A couple of things. Rob McNeely said he was at Freedom Fest. He's got a lot of stuff to say in here. So uh, he said he oh, was okay. at Freedom Fest. Oh, okay. Then I probably saw him. Yeah. He says he was the media director of Libertarian Party of Colorado for a time. Uh, okay. And he says the dollar is fucked. That's uh, that's that's from him. Uh, and yes. forty two chilled said people will get screwed. Huge, huge. Uh, yes. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about right there. <laughs> um, so there you go. And I think he's 
something he was saying about with, about that particular thing. But let me go back to, I'm trying to see if I could go back here. There was a question that someone asked here. Oh, Night Train says, um, what was the question from Night Train? He says, I've noticed the Libertarian Party has had some real crackpot candidates running for office in recent years. Now, this is a thing that a lot of people have with the Libertarian Party, right? It's sometimes for, you know, people running, it was kind of like a circus for everyone to get, uh, you know, to get noticed, I want to say, right? If you look at it, like when, when you have all these people running for different things, it's kind of a circus going on. What do you, are you guys, is that still working the same way? Is that just a function of, of how you guys are because you're libertarians or is this something you're trying to clean up? I think there's folks on the other side looking that are like, oh, maybe I want to get involved in this, but then they see some of the crazy stuff that happens. And they're like, wait a second, yes. am I, I going to vote for this so, person to be my senator? So I, I have a right, well, and that's that's the problem, right? So right. I, I actually have a theory on this, mm -hmm. I, and I want to start by saying, if you look on YouTube or or probably any uh, video platform, you can find a video of uh, Rudy Giuliani dressed in drag and Donald Trump motorboating him uh, in his fake <laughs> cleave. Now, I the reason it. I, I remember this, this I think, <laughs> yes. So the reason I and keep in mind, this wasn't back when they were kids or whatever. Rudy right. Giuliani was the mayor of New York when this happened. Donald Trump right, was right. a very established figure in that time. Right. So here's why I bring that up. The reason that people don't go, I would never vote re Republican. Look at the Rudy Giuliani with the Donald Trump at the, is because they don't. There are Republicans that are in elected positions that are seriously speaking on the news all the time about various things. So when a Republican, even a high-level Republican, does some yeah. goofball I'm, I'm, thro shit, I'm throwing it up, if you don't mind. I'll throw that up here yes, while you're no, talking. This is a real thing. So uh, if, uh, if, yeah. if, if a Republican or a Democrat, for that matter, does some goofball shit – it gets put in perspective of, well, that was just them being, there it is. This is just them being silly, but there's all these liber there's all these Republicans and Democrats that are in positions of office that are saying serious stuff. So we can take them seriously. This was just a goofy thing. Right, Libertarians right, right. don't have that luxury. We don't, aren't in Congress. Mm -hmm. We are in most state houses. Mm -hmm. And so when a libertarian does something goofy and it gets attention, that's all we're known for, right? <laughs> so if that people are like, oh, libertarian, oh, that people will talk about the fact that a guy uh, who I don't think it was smart for him to do, but mm -hmm. to protest the fact that Bill Weld uh, got our vice presidential nomination in 2016, uh, a guy named James Weeks got up on stage and stripped down to a he was a, he was heavy back then he got up on stage and stripped down to a thong and started dancing around it lasted like 12 seconds and they knocked him they kicked him off the stage and removed him from the hall it was a stupid thing that happened but in the absence of anything else right in the absence of a libertarian congressman or senator on the news talking about this or introducing this or making mm -hmm. a declaration of this people still talk about the naked dancing he wasn't even naked the <laughs> dancing fat guy in from six years ago it takes and a so lot my of cojones to do that i'm sorry but well, absolutely and the yeah, thing is this is the problem that. Or they'll mm -hmm. talk about the fact that Gary Johnson uh, mm -hmm. couldn't remember what Aleppo was in, in, a, in a heated interview with a bunch of different people mm -hmm. because God knows Republicans and Democrats never forget anything on the air, right? But, mm -hmm. but here's why. Here's why that sticks out. Until we have 
libertarians that are actually making news as policymakers, that's the only thing anyone's going to know about us is the dumb shit because mm -hmm. that's what attracts the news. The news outside of actual serious news is attracted to sensational goofy shit. And so mm -hmm. if that's all we're able to contribute, that's all we're going to be known for. So yeah. that's why, again, we focus mm -hmm. on where we can get elected. We want libertarians and city councils, county councils, school boards, auditors' offices, mm -hmm. everything that we can do to get them as state legislative races, get mm -hmm. them up so that eventually there are libertarians being interviewed, not, not as candidates and being asked about this goofball shit that happened over here, but mm -hmm. as actual elected officials who are actually making policy changes and policy proposals and policy prescriptions. And when that happens, that's when the goofball shit to seriousness ratio finally reaches a level of normalization and it won't really matter anymore. Yeah, I think you'll always have the goofball stuff because people want to get attention. Always have. Yeah, we, yes. we, we can't escape that. I mean, that happens. Uh, look, and what I do as a gun guy, there's people who do goof, goofball stuff and they get more views. You know, even yeah. even the people who don't like it share it because they're like, look at this idiot. Look at this. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So this is why you see that. And, and yeah, I think you make a, you make a good point about that. Ultimately, though, once again, I think a lot of that is our fault. Things shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't need like the people who who we elect to run things, both on a on a local, a state level, uh, you know, a national level. They don't they should not have to be cool for us to pay attention to them. <laughs> but because we're because we're human beings and we are stupid and we are goofballs and we don't pay attention unless people do those kinds of things. It's what it takes. And it shouldn't be that way. The fault is ours. Uh, that's just my right. personal philosophy. Human beings have to stop like blaming everything on someone external. Like this is something accidentally happening to you. Why are you looking at that? <laughs> because that's a good point. No, it's your fault. Actually, it's not my fault that that, yeah. that I was lying well, on the beach you, without I mean, a shirt on. Yeah, you know, you, you were on the beach because you had to be. Otherwise, I mean, you know, we're, well, first of all, so that okay. <laughs> Perfect example. So right. there, that was a mini controversy. Mm -hmm. After I got the nomination, they mm -hmm. pull up that picture and they're like, look at this son of a bitch. This mm -hmm. guy's going to represent us in all 50 states. And look, he doesn't even have a shirt on. I was at the beach. My wife took that picture and she mm -hmm. thought it was funny. And I put it up as a profile picture. And that's like, oh, man, it, you know, libertarian. What a goofball. Why would you vote for this guy? He didn't have a shirt on at the beach. And mm -hmm. it was like, well, because I was at the beach. What do you wear at the beach? And, but so and but mm -hmm. absent anything else to talk about, all they had until I started actually talking was look at this goofball with his shirt off. Yeah, and so that's pay, a perfect example. Pay attention to the person is what I would say. Listen, I'm not blaming people for have to do to for having to do those things to get attention. Right. This is this is the world that we live in. But what you have to do as a human being is try to pay attention to that person. Look them up. Try to find them talking somewhere. That's why we. That's why we have you on. That's why we have Spike Cohen on the air with us. I think we've had Lola's reminding me. We've had Larry Sharp on, on this podcast. Yes. Um, we've had Adam Kokesh on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. You know. So and and all <laughs> these people have done things that they need to do, but this is the way of the world. It's not. It's not Joe Rogan's fault that that the whole world is looking at Joe Rogan and taking yes. him seriously. It's our fault, you know, 
it's it's our fault that that's happening and it's perhaps the fault of cnn for not being more for for, for not having people believe in them but we don't believe in them right so yep. and joe rogan yep. is doing him he's doing what he has to do and to be honest with you like i think i saw you saying that on on fox that um mm. you know like neil young he's benefiting out of it right you know i think i saw he's you saying playing. neil young is winning out of this thing yeah, let me let me thank you for bringing that. Neil Young has played everyone, his supporters, his critics, everyone has been played by Neil Young. Neil Young has had a long-running beef with Spotify for years now over two main things. One is he doesn't like their uh what he calls their poor um uh compensation of of low of like lesser artists you know if you're not a big deal like him you don't get much money and mm -hmm. the other thing he doesn't like is what he calls their poor audio quality that okay. you know he, he thinks and so he's been trying to get people to use his whatever it's called uh streaming service that has his uh, songs and a few other people's songs on it for a long time and he's been trying to like threatened to leave Spotify for the longest time. He finally found something that he could sink his teeth into. And so what he has successfully done is he, uh, my understanding is people joining his uh, streaming service are through the roof. He has gotten his name out there and gotten more attention than he's gotten in his entire 50 year, whatever, 45, however long year career. He's being talked about more than he ever has, even in the peak of his of his popularity uh, in the 70s. Uh, nowhere near the attention he's getting now. International attention, more streams uh, of his song on other platforms. And he's being featured on Apple and all these other platforms, uh, including YouTube. Mm -hmm. He's heavily featured on youtube do you know who else is heavily featured on youtube joe, joe rogan joe rogan yeah now, joe, neil joe young rogan is a big winner he's still a big winner out of all of this because he's getting attention too and, of course but neil young doesn't give a shit that joe <laughs> rogan is on youtube he's right. not saying i'm leaving youtube unless you pull this misinformation from joe Rogan. he wanted to kneecap spotify walk away like a champ and get more attention and more streams than he's ever gotten mission accomplished on all three fronts mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be talking about neil young for a year now he's going to make more money this year than he's probably made in the last 30 years combined he has completely played everyone and the fact that like very few people are talking about this he has played everybody mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. I agree. And this is the this is the crazy thing that we're in. We don't pay attention to stuff until this controversy. We don't right. think about like, oh, so what's the alternative to this? Right. You know, if we're going to sit around and we're going to complain, like, uh, uh, trust me, I'm one of those people that sits around and complains about what's happening to me on YouTube <laughs> or, you know, yes. why, why do I have to go off and do this or do that? Well, this this is where we're going to be. So your choices are you either complain, you wait for someone else to do something about it, you do something about it, you know, it's like, how, what kind of options do you have? And typically, everyone's going to default to the easiest thing, you know, like me coming over and doing Utreon is it's incredibly, yep. it's incredibly difficult. And lots of my contemporaries, my peers don't want to do it because they don't want to lose the views and all that on YouTube. So right, they'll rather right. just be, be, stay on YouTube and, and take the blows or whatever from there, but they've got more people. Well, then whose fault is it? <laughs> you know, 
This is, it's our fault for everything. And we want to externalize it on other people, but ultimately it's our fault. Why aren't we paying more attention? Why are we just out there voting for just Democrats or voting for just Republicans, you know? Exactly, yes. I was just going to say, it's the equivalent of voting for Republicans and Democrats and then complaining about what Republicans and Democrats are doing. At some point, to some level, you're kind of consenting. Like you're, if you're, even if you don't like what they're doing, if you continue to support it, yeah. then you've kind of given your assent to it. And it's the same thing with big tech. One, yeah. one thing I've told people, and, and, and I do this because I'm not ready to completely jump off of Facebook and Twitter and, 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 and all of those because that's where, you know, you can get exponentially more attention. But what I tell people is, listen, if you're not ready to take the plunge, then do the do specific content for just Utreon or just float or just what is it getter or whatever the new one is uh, and, and is say getter, listen, getter is that the trump one getter i, I think so and I I, think my so. understanding is they're they're way more restrictive than anyone else but that's yes all you subject. can't say bad but, stuff about trump on there and you yes and, yeah you can't say bad gun stuff guys, about gun trump guys, gun guys have trump in trouble on there israel Mm-hmm. What that was? You can't say bad things about Trump. You can't say bad things about Israel. Yeah, I'm not uh, you gonna can't say support bad that. About uh, the military or the police, and, mm-hmm. or you're gone. Um, but yeah. but what you can do is you can do exclusive content just for those platforms, and you can say, you know, uh, I'm doing a big event, uh, and it's only going to be on Utreon. Okay, for those who aren't ready to just completely jump over and get people over, and they can see what the experience is like, and you can you can. We, and when you bring them over, you can say, look at how much more free the experience is here. Look at this MP5 I can show you that I couldn't mm-hmm. show you on anything else. Yeah. And, you know, by doing that, you can kind of wean them off of that and, mm-hmm. and bring them over. Because, you mm-hmm. know, again, our our future is not in the systems that the people in power have created. They might be the most convenient things for us, but they're clearly not our solution. They're clearly yeah. not our future. Uh, unless we want a future where we're not allowed to say what we think and where we are self-censoring constantly out of fear that the thing that's going to be acknowledged as the truth three days from now doesn't accidentally spit out of our mouths early where it's going to be called misinformation and we get, you know, uh, uh, our social credit score hurt. Um, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, we already have a social credit score. It's just on social media mm-hmm. and and it's the algorithm. And mm-hmm. so we don't want that as our future. We have to move towards platforms like this. And it, it may be a slow process, but we have to do it. Yeah, it's painful. You know, I'll be honest with you. The other the other folks who don't want to do it, I get it. They're just taking the easiest route. That's like, you know, yeah. I mean, I could call them bad names, but at the end of the day, they're just, I don't, I don't blame them. They're just doing the easiest route, the easiest thing to do. Um, and I understand that, you know, I am trying to find what's different because what I realized a long time ago, um, years ago, YouTube, I think I had about 60,000 subscribers on my main YouTube channel. Um, and YouTube deleted the whole channel. Just, uh, you know, I got three strikes. I think the first one was because, uh, when Trump was, I think Trump called Haiti a shithole country and we had that conversation and, you know, Mm -hmm. I had that conversation on the podcast. The podcast was on there. They gave us a strike. Then the next two strikes came because YouTube was going after anyone that had bullpup videos on their channel, which I collect bullpup videos. I have a ton of bullpups. So I got hit, I got deleted. And I realized that I don't own any of that. Yeah. I can't do anything about that. Those 60,000 people, today that's 118,000 people. But it doesn't matter. I still don't own it. It means it doesn't really mean that much. 
you know yeah, yeah. You, youtube gave me like the a silver plaque and all that kind of stuff and then shadow banned every damn video i yep. put up there yep. you know yep, yep, with yep. 118,000 subscribers i have a tough time if i put up a video for that video to at the beginning it was a tough time for it to get to 2000 views now i'll be honest with you it's tough for it to get to get even to 1000 views if i put up a video yep. so what is the point you know exactly yeah at some point you if, if if what you have to work on is your ownership of things and what you can own. Like I own HankStrange.com and I could put all that stuff on my .com. I could put my podcast, my podcast is on there, right? And I could tell people all the different alternative platforms I'm on. I own that. And therefore the people who want to support me or consume whatever content I'm creating, they could, they could go there and find that stuff. And that's what's uh, important. Okay, we're, we're gonna take a little break here. We got the ad. Yeah, it's coming up. We'll be right back here in a second. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization like Tusk Crypto. Tusk Cryptocurrency is a firearm-friendly e-commerce option for online payment transactions secured on the blockchain. So when you're in the crypto market, please consider Tusk, T-U-S-C. All right, there you go. What I don't know what. Okay, there we go. Uh, I hope Rob <laughs> McNeely. That's showing my phone or something for a second. Um, I hope Rob McNeely was watching that from Tusk. I hope he was. Yes. And we appreciate uh, we appreciate his support. What do you think about cryptos, man? Since that's up, before we get into other stuff here, what what's your thought on cryptos? Are you involved in cryptos at all? Well, I mean, I, I don't like to talk about what I'm exposed to for okay. a, a variety of, of legal and tax reasons. But I, mm. I will say this. Uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, the blockchain, uh, DAOs, de decentralized everything, everything coming from the blockchain and from decentralized finance and everything else. Uh, these are the tools uh, to force government to be less authoritarian and less in control of our lives by virtue of the market dictating it and saying, we don't want your solutions. These ones are way better. Uh, it was, uh, I think, Friedrich Hayek uh, who said a long time ago, we're never going to have sound currency until we take currency back from the control of government. And then he also said, and we can't, uh, we can't do that by violence uh, because that wouldn't work. We're not going to be able to violently wrest control from it. What we mm -hmm. will instead have to do is create something that is so much better uh, that people will want to use it instead of uh, what the government offers. I'm obviously paraphrasing what he said. Yeah. But that's if we, if we use violence, we can use violence, but we, then it has to be maintained with violence. Which it has to be maintained with violence. Exactly. Yeah. That's the story of every single revolution. Revolutionaries right. turn into rulers because they came to power with violence and have to use violence to maintain that. It's mm -hmm. that's not where it's at. Use violence in defense. You don't use violence to try to push your political uh, goal, even if your political goal is a good one. It's inevitably going to turn bad because you're now a ruler using violence to maintain your position. So mm -hmm. we need the market. We need the uh, the force quote unquote, to come from the powers of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And when that is what happens, then there's the government will do everything they can to try to restrict it, to try to stop it. They can at best for them, at worst for us, slow the inevitable. That's really all they can do because Bitcoin, crypto, the blockchain, all of these things make 
eminently more sense than anything that's coming from government, especially cryptocurrency compared to U.S. fiat currency mm -hmm. and really any fiat currency. It's not even comparable. Uh, you know, Bitcoin, which was introduced in 2009 after a white paper that was printed out in 2008, it was originally worth fractions of a penny per Bitcoin. There used to be sites that you could go to called faucets. You'd press a button and it would automatically create a wallet address for you and give you five Bitcoin. That's how worthless they were. They were worth absolutely nothing. They were just trying to get people to get them and start using them. They're now worth, they're down to like 30 something thousand. Yeah. And they're at their high, <laughs> they were at 70,000. And, and surely it's going to end up reaching ever new highs. Because, right. And that's happened inside of 10, 10 11 years or 12 years because we recognize how much better it is than the alternative and how mm -hmm. free it is of theft than the alternative. Despite the the uh, the, the uh, smear campaigns from major media, despite the uh, regulatory pressures from governments here and around the world, it doesn't matter. Crypto's going to beat it. The blockchain's going to beat it. Frankly, I think all the electoral politics stuff that we're doing is largely just harm reduction, defensive measures, until the blockchain can just fully displace authoritarianism entirely. Yeah. So a couple things. Night Train says Chairman Mao did say political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. <laughs> yes. Harsh yes, realities. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, for a long time, that was what built up civilization. And I don't think that will ever go away. That's our old religion. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's our natural religion. But if we want to, if we want to move forward, if we want to make a, a better world for all human beings, we have we, we've got to figure this out better than this. Right. We have to at least give people, uh, you know, some kind of stake in in what's happening up to a point. Up to yep. a point. I think we always will need, like, I believe in uh, in Divis <coughs> Passum Parabellum, right? If you seek peace, you have to prepare for war, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Always gonna, yeah, you always have to be able to defend that. Um, violence, violence is never going away. Mm -hmm. And the natural order of things is that when uh, there is any kind of power, whether it's decentralized power, centralized power, whatever – People are going to try to seek that power, and the easiest and most tempting route to seek it is through offensive violence, which mm -hmm. means that just that reality means, especially if we want to seek a decentralized world where some warlord might want to try to come in and, and, and take all the power, we right. are always going to have to be vigilant, and that ability to effectively project violence in a defensive capacity has to be uh, ex not just existent, but robust and and easily readily for us for to, for us to use. That's why I'm a, a, an absolutist when it yeah. comes to gun for rights. Everyone. Because for everyone, everyone has that. Yeah, everyone needs for that. everyone for mm -hmm. everyone because the ability to effectively project defensive violence is the one thing that will keep authoritarians in check. The reminder that they too occupy soft bodies that don't react well to fast moving hot lead, and right. and that that's that will keep even the most uh, uh, strict authoritarian in, in check is the reality that they, they too can, can get got. And, mm -hmm. and that is why I'm a supporter of, of uh, the right to keep and bear arms. Amen. Amen. Um, so let me ask you this. With everything that we're saying about uh, decentral, you know, things being decentralized, the blockchain, etc., what's the Libertarian Party doing about this, if anything? Are you guys sitting on the sidelines and looking at this? Or are you guys maybe developing things? for this what, what you know so the libertarian take? party itself mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons can't actually like the libertarian party 
for all sorts of I can't even imagine the uh, the campaign yeah. finance law right. implication <laughs> of getting let's involved. Take, let's in, take in, these. This yeah, we're going to make a bank. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're, we're going to yes. open yeah, up use, our own use platform. <laughs> Liberty Coin, and this yeah. is our bank. No, yeah, it's, Liberty yeah, Tube. No. Liberty uh, Tube. Liberty Tube and Liberty. Well, that yeah. I mean, we could probably make a social media platform, but you should but, uh, bit, uh, creating currencies and stuff. Yeah, right. No, no. Uh, but libertarians are very heavily involved mm-hmm. in the in the crypto sphere, in the blockchain sphere, uh, and in uh, and in uh, decentralized uh, platforms for social media and things like that. Uh, very, very heavily involved in that. Uh, uh, Rob McNeely, he's doing uh, uh, Tusk, right? Yeah, and right. Uh, and that's a DAO, and he's part of the the, the Liberty Movement. That's a perfect mm-hmm. example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what's interesting is that, uh, and this is something I'm trying to facilitate the connection between. You have the Libertarian Party, which recognizes all of the things that are being espoused by those in the crypto sphere about trying to be apolitical and, and anti-political and, and, and wresting control from the authoritarians. But, you know, the Libertarian Party, one of our big – I mean we have a few major issues, but one of them is the lack of funding. If only – there was some money mm. we could get. And then you've got people over here who are in the crypto sphere who are like, we have billions of dollars right. worth of Dogecoin or, or crypto mm. or, or Bitcoin or whatever. Right. And But we don't really, because we're so anti-political, we don't really have any kind of political connections and we don't really have any kind of vehicle for electoral politics. If only there were a political party that that agreed with us and our goals and 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 what it is we're trying to achieve, at least for the most part, that we could help. And so it's sort of like the, you know, uh, if only I had some peanut butter for this chocolate, if only I had some chocolate for this peanut butter. Right. And and so what I've been trying to do is facilitate connections uh, within those two groups to say, listen, here is your source of funding from people you agree with pretty much 100%. Hey, look, here is your source for getting involved without having to directly get involved with electoral politics. It's simply by helping with the, with the funding aspect of it and mm-hmm. with the technological aspect of it. You know, the, a lot of these people developing things in the blockchain, they have some great IT solutions and things like that that could be leveraged by people in the liberty movement. And so I'm trying to facilitate those connections to show you know, this is a natural marriage. Uh, it is not one being made. It's not some weird, uneasy coalition of disparate groups. You pretty much all agree on stuff. Uh, and and really, it comes down to how, how you guys can work together. So that's something I've been working on facilitating. Absolutely. I, I think I agree with you. You know, ultimately, you can't have a political po- like I don't think you can have any one person solve all of this. Right. And you no, def- no. Yeah. No, no. You definitely can't have a political party solve it. Um, in terms, nope. in terms of creating everything, just because, like you said, every, how everything's structured. But we need this. If yep. people believe in freedom, the for the folks who truly believe in freedom, we have to get together and pool our resources, regardless of where it's coming from. Some of us are fine being up front talking about politics. Some of us would prefer to be behind the scenes building platforms and things like that. We have exactly. To put, we have to put everything together and make it work and create our own ecosystem, like a, a world that we can live in. And no matter what these guys do, we could stay free, which means you know, platforms where people can go on and express themselves, ways of people buying and selling things or funding money to support good things out there that people might turn around one day and go, oh, no, we don't like these guys. We don't like what they're saying. So we all have to exactly. get together and play a part in that. And and down to the microcosm of that is each individual person out there. You know, I'm not trying to encourage people to get involved in these things. Just think about it. Just look at it. Research yep. it. Yep. 
you know? Yeah, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I wanna say something about that because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that are liberty-minded, they're anarchists, they're libertarian, they're, they just support freedom or they're independent or whatever, and they go, you know what, I, I, don't, I think electoral politics are a joke, I think they're a waste of time. You know, I, I think that all politicians are liars. If they don't start off as liars, they have to become liars to be able to be effective once they're elected. You know, and they'll say to me, you know, t- give me, talk me into joining your party. And I'm like, no, I, I if you don't want to be involved in electoral politics, what the hell am I going to tell you? Like mm-hmm. the most of what you've said, I agree with. I, I'm, I'm out here trying to do harm reduction. Uh, but if you are if you are uh, committed to engaging in you know, counter economics to try to counter the authoritarianism of the state, then you're already doing the work you should be doing. And that's fulfilling to the, the liberty movement. Uh, what, what am I going to tell you? Oh, on your weekends, you should come in and, you know, run for mayor or something if that's not something you want to do. No, I, everyone has a different path mm-hmm. to in, in uh, spreading liberty. And some will have many different paths. And and mm-hmm. some of them, one of those paths or their main path will be electoral politics, being involved in the Libertarian Party or being involved with the Republican Liberty Caucus or being involved with uh, as an independent in, their, in local elections or whatever. That's great. Many others are going to want absolutely nothing to do with politics. Anytime they even look at it, they get disgusted. They want nothing to do with it. And that's fine as well. I am not here to try to convince you to get involved in politics if mm-hmm. people want to. Yeah. You know, I think, look, if you're disaffected, if you don't, if you don't like what uh, Democrats are offering, you don't like what Republicans are offering, you're disaffected, you can absolutely be apathetic about it and go hide somewhere. It's my opinion. Yeah. You know, um, or you could, you could do something about it and take a part in it. And it doesn't mean, you know, just start by researching, start by listening, you know, find a thread of something that you're interested in something else and pull that thread. Um, yep, we're not going to, we are, we're responsible for the change. I mean, this is just like the reality of our, how everything is. If you could either, that's what who moved my freedom means. You know, it comes from, there's those stories that the story out there called who moved my cheese. Did you ever read that? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So if you just want to be that person, someone moves your cheese and you just want to sit, complain about it or wait for someone else to put the cheese out there, or do you want to go out there and do it and say like, Hey, it's on me. These guys moved it. I'm going to now go find where it is or go figure this out. You know, that's the thing. Pay attention to this stuff. Um, what what do you think if people are paying attention, what are the ways for them to like, what's the path for the folks on the outside looking at the Libertarian Party to get interested in that? Right. Like what, once they get past sure. some of the stuff we were just talking about. So I think the number one thing is if you're involved, if you're interested in the Libertarian Party, start local. I mean, yes, join the National Party and all of that. That's great. Um, But the work that is done on a day to day basis is happening at the local level. So in addition to joining the the National Libertarian Party, if you want to uh, or even if you don't want to uh, join your state party, like if if. Whether or not you want to join the National Party, but you you may still be interested in the Libertarian Party, join your state party uh, and then get in contact with your state party and say, is there a local or uh, uh, um, county chapter in my area? More than likely there is. At this point, I think the Libertarian Party is in over half of the various local areas and counties across the country. Each state's different. Some do it by uh, region. Some do it by county. Some do it by uh, um 
uh, area code or zip code. There, there's a few different ways that they do it. But, um, you know, get involved with your at your local level. Uh, I'm also um, about to launch an organization called You Are the Power. And what You Are the Power is going to do is bridge that gap between the non-party activism and the party activism. It's going to be where grassroots activists can get involved so that now instead of saying I'm going to join a party, instead what you say is there are all these things that libertarian activists are doing across the country, fighting against tax increases, fighting for Second Amendment sanctuaries, fighting against uh, un- improper eminent domain actions, uh, you know, fighting against mask mandates or vaccine mandates. And I want to help them. You know, they're local. I want to help go out and, and speak at the, my local council meeting or, or help someone else to with the support they need to be able to promote that. Or I want to help remotely. It's far away and I just want to help with, you know, uh, you know, promotion on social media or, uh, you know, making graphics or whatever. Uh, we're creating an uh, ecosystem for activists across the country to get involved in liberty, whether they want to be a member of the Libertarian Party, whether they want to be a member of another political party, whether they don't even really want to be involved in party politics, but they do want to get involved with the political activism route. Uh, we're going to provide that space for them to be able to do that. So you don't have to, are you saying that you don't have to like switch out of whatever party? So let's say you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. You don't have to switch out of that um, in order to. I don't care what party you're. Okay. And how does the Libertarian, how does the Libertarian Party work with that when people are running? Like I see Night Train says, I tried years ago to run for city council in the town of New Jersey. So let's say you are a Republican, for example, can you be a Republican and still run on the Libertarian ticket or you have to. Okay. So, so. Mm -hmm. If you want to run for office as a libertarian, in most states, you are required to be registered as a libertarian. That's actually the law. Um, You're required to be registered as a libertarian. And uh, then in some states, the state party requires that you be an active member for you to be able to seek their nomination. In Mm -hmm. other states, the party doesn't actually do the nomination privately. It's decided in a primary Uh, And you have to be registered to be able to do that. So Mm -hmm. generally speaking, if you want to get involved uh, as actually running for office as a libertarian, you have to be registered. I I, at the very least, I'd recommend you be registered as a libertarian if you have party registration in your state and Mm -hmm. become a member of the party. If for no other reason, then you're going to need to make those connections with activists. What I'm saying is if you want to get involved in the liberty movement or help the LP, I don't really care what party you're in or where you're registered. I mean, it may reach a point where you have to change that depending on how involved you want to get. I don't give a damn. Like, I don't really care what party you're in. If you want to stay registered as, you know, one of the major parties so that you can get involved in their primaries, but you want to help me with some substantive uh, libertarian activism to change people's lives today by helping them to be more free, what the hell do I care what letter you have next to your name? That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, absolutely. So let me get this in, in the, in the minutes that we have left here. Um, Sure. You know, what's next for Spike Cohen, man? This is, I can't get out of here without asking that. You know, what's, what's like, what's your status in the party right now? What's next? What are you, you know, what's your path here from, from here? So my biggest thing right now, my biggest thing right now is launching You Are the Power. That is my number one priority right now and growing that into the grassroots activism organization that I want it to be. Um, There's been a lot of speculation from people uh, about whether or not I'm going to run for the presidential nomination for 2024. I haven't ruled it out. I really haven't thought about it that much. Uh, And frankly, I, I might 
bigger focus is on the hundreds or thousands of libertarians we can get elected in this November. And then again, uh, in, I mean, we're able to get hundreds elected in an off year in 21. How many uh, can we get elected in 23? Uh, mm -hmm. Coming into the end of this year uh, and into 23, I'm going to have to really make a serious decision about whether or not I want to run uh, for the nomination in 24. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be coy about it. If I decide to do it, I'm going to tell people I'm doing it. Right. If I decide not to do it, I'm going to tell people I'm not doing it. Number one priority right now is grow you are the power and help as many libertarians get elected and as many libertarian goals get accomplished as possible between now for at least the next year. That's my that is my singular focus for at least the next year. OK, awesome. You know, I like to hear it, man. Listen, I appreciate the fact that, you know, you not just here, you've made many steps to like reach out to folks like myself and talk to us and hear what we have to say you know, yeah. and, and I appreciate that. I also appreciate the fact you're putting in the hard work right now. You know, I think if you, should you make that decision, you should let us know <laughs> so you. that we can maybe have you on, do some stuff to, to yes, help I'd be you happy. out with that. Absolutely. And, and by the way, also to help the people, like you said, you know, to put people on a state level in places, if there's something that we could do about that, we'll be happy to do it. Um, I know my, myself, I'm always going to want to make sure those people are pro-gun. <laughs> you know they they really you know believe in the second amendment i have i have never met a libertarian who is not extremely pro-gun so that should not be a problem okay all right good um and lola's asking me here what is uh she says what is you are the power i know you mentioned it you want to explain that again i real think quick the thing's you? gonna go off again oh yeah no it, it oh, uh okay. no, no we're good we're good okay. yeah Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So You Are the Power is a group that we are launching. It was actually supposed to be launched last month. And then mm -hmm. I got COVID extremely bad and got mm -hmm. pneumonia and everything. And so mm -hmm. we, we've held it off until now that I'm getting better because I can't launch uh, an organization and be lying in bed with 105 degree fever. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, uh, but You Are the Power is an organization that we are launching, uh, where people can become members and they get access to being a uh, part of, of that membership. Uh, and to be able to work with other activists in that area and uh, activists that are part of You Are the Power. Where, where it gets interesting is uh, we have incredible social media reach, uh, both You Are the Power as an organization and me and other major stakeholders and libertarian influencers that are a part of You Are the Power have incredible social media reach. So what our thing is, is if you, you join You Are the Power, you get involved in activism, you know, again, all, you know, fighting for Second Amendment sanctuaries, fighting for, uh, you know, repealing uh, civil asset forfeiture, you know, all the different libertarian goals that we have that you can accomplish at the local level, at the statewide level and so forth. You move towards those things and the more people you can get together to do it, the more impactful you can be, the more we'll promote it on our social media. And if you can get it big enough, then we'll actually come out personally and help with this stuff, come to your events and speak at them. And so what we're trying to do is create this incentivization of people that join the organization, get involved. We are not handing out titles. We are not having votes for who's in charge. Just go do stuff and we will reward the merit of those who, are, who accomplish the most and see who rises to be the most effective activist and encourage people to work together. And if this person doesn't like this person, you don't have to argue about it. You just don't have to work together. So it, it cures the factionalism that we see so often in political parties by removing this like forced democratic component. It's just a meritocracy. It's decentralized. Work with whoever you want on whatever you want. And if you're impactful and substantive in what you do, we will help promote it as much as we can. And that's, that's the ecosystem that we're creating. 
meeting. And it's all built around the idea of in a nonpartisan manner, pushing free. Oh, we lost. I don't know. We, we lost Spike again there. I'm not sure exactly what happened. <laughs> we lost him. He'll be back here in a second. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure why that happened, but we, yeah. Sorry, Spike. We lost you. You were, uh, you were finishing up your explanation. There. We're pushing, we're pushing, mm -hmm. you know, based initiatives, libertarian initiatives in a nonpartisan way, working with whoever wants to work with us uh, to be able to accomplish those things. We're, we're already working on making partnerships with other third party groups. When I say third party, I don't mean political party. I mean other organizations, nonprofits and political organizations and so forth. And mm -hmm. that's what is, is, is to really accomplish, create that ecosystem for grassroots activism that we've never really had in the liberty movement and that's that's the goal of you are the power we'll be launching later this month awesome cool and then i want to show everyone here uh this is your 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 on wikipedia i know it's not like, yes i don't know whether or not you've checked this to see if everything is correct here on wikipedia okay. but here okay. is the wikipedia um yes you know uh and then i notice scrolling down here i see my buddy yeah right yes. there Marge to yeah. Ray in this picture, this picture, you were saying, you were saying uh, before we started that Mar Mar look at Marge's face right there. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I looked <laughs> and I, I, when I first saw it, I was like, yeah. wait, Maj looks like he's like really uh, distrusting and skeptical yeah. of whatever it is I'm saying. Yeah. And what's funny is uh, at that, but that's, but it's not because that was a panel we did at Freedom Fest right. and we were vibing off of each other the whole time and agreeing on everything. Mm -hmm. And it was like you said, that's just his resting face. Face. Yeah, he has resting distrustful, skeptical face, <laughs> and he was just looking like at that. me. Yeah, so like anytime he's looking at someone, he's like, "I don't trust you," yeah. but that's just how he looks on it. But yeah, uh, yeah no, we had a that was a really cool panel. Uh, mm -hmm. It was called "The Failures of Police Socialism," and we were basically breaking down mm -hmm. how a a socialized government program is always doomed to give you bad outcomes. And mm -hmm. we were saying this largely to a base of boomer conservatives who were not remotely ready for us to compare socialism to the police and to, <laughs> and to explain the parallels there. Like, and what's so happening? by the end of it, by the yeah, I was like, wait, whoa, what? And so by the end of it, they were they were getting it, and then we were getting the the reluctant claps at the end. Oh, really? But that first half hour was just people like Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable silence and of course uh maj and i we thrive on uncomfortable silence yeah. right so we were just going into it and explaining how the second amendment had nothing to do with shooting deer and the, the logical conclusions of that and they were it was it was a it started very uncomfortable everyone was looking at me the way maj is in that picture right. and <laughs> and by the end by the end it was actually they yeah. were actually getting it and they were they were even clapping so you and maj no, make a good really, team that was cool you guys yes. make a good team. I thought uh, we did. I thought yes. we did. I thought we did. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see you guys doing more stuff. Is there a – by the way, check this out. Look, media, the most effective yes. devil. Yes, there it is. There it is. That's yeah. Maj's yeah. shirt right there. I was wearing yeah. – I, yeah. I specifically put this on. Yes. You know, I should have worn my – I should have worn my being a bitch is un-American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maj is awesome. Is there a place where people can actually go find that and uh, watch that? Did you guys record it or – so uh, it's actually uh, on – we have the audio version of it mm -hmm. on – if you go to uh, Muddied Waters Media on Spotify because mm -hmm. uh, uh, we, we promise to keep all of our stuff there as long as Joe Rogan's there. We don't care. Uh, uh, but um, uh, but if, you, if yeah. you go to um, Muddied Waters Media on Spotify or Anchor, 
Um, mm -hmm. It is uh, in our list of podcasts. If you look up Spike Cohen, Maj Ture, mm -hmm. you'll find uh, that audio clip. Audio. But it was about an hour and a half, hours, okay. hour. It was about an hour uh, mm -hmm. to hour and a half. And man, was that a good talk. It was, and you'll hear a lot of uncomfortable silence in between us talking for the yeah. first not half hour or so. Absolutely. And I believe the panel from when from that that you hosted that panel, which Maj was also on the panel and I was on there, that's yes. also out there. I don't know if it's on our channel or not. Um, I don't know we, if it's on your channel, but that's also on Muddied Waters Media. Okay. Uh, if you look up uh, Gun Owners of America Presents, uh, I forget what it was called, but if you, mm -hmm. I, I think we definitely have your name on there, Maj mm -hmm. Teray's name on there uh, and my name on there. You know, that, that's, that's on Muddy Waters Media as well. Yeah, absolutely. So if folks want to find out more about that, I encourage you to go in that direction. Lola says, thank you for the time spike. A great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I know you weren't feeling well. I really do appreciate this. Uh, this is probably the first, hopefully not the last time. I had a great time, uh, you know, on that panel, yeah. but we didn't really get a chance to, uh, you know, to talk this much. And I'm glad that we got to do it. I would invite yeah, man. you to... It, let, let us know if there's anything that we could do, even if there's a message you need to get out and you don't have that much time and you're like, hey, can I get like 15, 20 minutes on the podcast sometime? If you let Lola know, she'll make plans for you cool. to be able to come in and, and leave that message. Absolutely, man. I do genuinely want to be able to help you uh, moving forward, mostly because you. like, you know, uh, my dad always told me that you should like someone who loves you. And what I think he meant by that is the people who are interested in you and take time to reach out to you, talk to you, care about what you have to say. You need to, yeah. you know, you need to to uh, give those people more credit for that, right? And and yeah. spend time focusing on those people. And I notice you're one of those people. You're like genuinely yes. out there having these conversations, and I really appreciate that. I want to make sure that I'm doing something to help you. Um, I appreciate that, man. And I'd be happy to come on more in the future. That would be great. Absolutely. Uh, Night Train says you're a good mensch, Spike Cohen. There you go. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So um, so here, tell the folks right now before we get out of here, where can they go? If they want to know more about Spike Cohen, communicate with you, all that kind of stuff, how do they do it? Sure. So I am on all social media platforms, all, all the major social media platforms. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok talk I, as well um, mm -hmm. and you can find me there and i'm not sure why i froze there yeah uh, but <laughs> i but yeah no uh, so you can find me on all that my okay. website is spikecohen.com uh, and all of my uh, upcoming events are on there uh, there's a contact form on there if i'm coming to an event in in or around your area come on out and see me i, I love getting to meet folks and talking with them one-on-one -on -one. if you have any questions for me come on out and ask them to me personally i'm happy to answer them and uh and again i, I really appreciate the time on here i'm happy to come on again hank in the future and and lola i really appreciate y'all oh, and i uh, hope to hope to see you out here somewhere too absolutely um and if you're ever in Florida, man, you want to do some stuff, I'm sure I can arrange for us to do some fun gun stuff. Absolutely. You know, if That'd you're in my cool, neck man. of the woods. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run in the end, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to let you leave the folks out there with some words of wisdom. So okay. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a little, you know, I know you don't really need that much time to think about it. I'm sure you got lots of stuff on deck, but I'll give you a little okay. moment here <laughs> to think about it. Um, just okay. for 
this for all for everyone out there there's not going to be any podcast tomorrow lola and i have a bunch of stuff going on so there won't be a show tomorrow we'll be back on monday uh, but big thanks to everyone for listening to us here and being patient i know whatever whatever is happening with uh this broadband here i don't know it's so weird i like deliberately <laughs> because spike was coming on i deliberately drove to the what i knew to be the best place to do this and we still have problems but uh, that's just the way that it works. So I'm going to run in the end now and we'll be right back. And Spike's going to give us some words of wisdom. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening here, hanging out with us. Uh, you can find us on Utreon if you want to uh, find us live. We'll also take this and put it up on YouTube. So it'll be up on YouTube as well. And we also will rip out the audio and put this up on iTunes and all your other favorite places to listen to audio podcasts. We're all over. You can look for us. We're on Audible. We're everywhere. So you guys can download that. And we have tons of people coming in from Firearms Radio Network as well, which we appreciate. Uh, Spike Cohen, words of wisdom, sir. Okay, so I, I, I generally, I guess a general word of wisdom. So uh, my entire uh, career started in my teens when I started a web design company. And the reason I started the web design company was because I had done uh, some work during the summers at restaurants and stuff like that. And I, I realized very early on I didn't want to work for other people. I'd see people doing my same – the job I was doing, they were two and three times my age. That Some of them were my age now doing – working, washing dishes, bushing tables and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So mm-hmm. in my teens, I started a web design company. I had no business starting a web design company. But I had the basic understanding of how to do it. I had the chutzpah to go out there and actually do it. And I was able to get out there and get in front of people and say, hey, I'm Spike. Here's this new thing called a website. Would you like it? I'll give it to you for free. And then eventually (laughs) I could start charging them. And I was able to grow that into a successful business. By the way, this does come to an actual, I'm I'm telling a story. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was able to grow that into a a, a pretty, I wasn't a fortune 500 company or anything like that, but a successful business and uh, reached a point where I I don't have to work anymore uh, to be able to make ends meet. And uh, six years ago, I was diagnosed with MS And uh, that made me think, well, I don't think I want to spend any more time working to make money that I don't really need. I want to make sure that for however much longer I'm here, uh, and and at some point none of us will be here, uh, I want to make sure that for how much longer I'm here, that the world, that it mattered that I was here, that I made a positive impact. And that got me into the activism. And so out of nowhere, I decide I'm going to start podcasting. For liberty, I decided I'm going to start applying all of the things I learned in sales and marketing and networking to activism and in talking to libertarians uh, about how they could spread the ideas better and connect with people better. And so I decided to run for the vice presidential nomination uh, the day after I, uh, I I joined. I officially joined the, the, the hubris. I, I, the hubris. Yes, the, the pure pure hubris of doing this. Now I didn't think I was actually going to get it. I just uh-huh. used that as an opportunity to say. Here are things we could do. We can do door knocking tours and housing projects. Talk to people that we would never think would want to hear our ideas. We can talk about uh, our ideas in this way and actually meet them where they are instead of the way that we tend to do it, which is very cerebrally and talking in arguments and philosophy. And they, I did such a great job at it that they said, yes, we want you to be the nominee. And so then I, now I'm going explaining why Joe Jorgensen should be president and I should be vice president. And now I'm doing all of this. And the point of all of this is this. There's nothing magic about me. I'm not a, a, a magical per. Oh, here, I'll add to that. I asked an absolute goddess of a human being to be my wife, and she said yes. So mm-hmm. my entire life is built around me going, I want to do that. 
I'm going to ask if I can. Mm-hmm. And and whatever uh, feelings of uh, not being worthy of that, whatever feelings of not being prepared for it, whatever feelings of, well, maybe I should wait, I typically put that aside and go, no, nah, I want that and I'm going to uh, do what I need to strive for. it. So my number one thing that I would say to anyone in general is if there's something that you want, do the work you need to do to make sure you're actually competent to do it and know what you're doing and then do it. And you're going to suffer from imposter syndrome. You're going to feel like you don't deserve it. You're going to feel like someone better deserves it more than you. You're going to feel like, uh, you know, maybe you, uh, you're, you're not ready yet or whatever. Push through that because that is a natural thing that every non-sociopath feels. You're no different than anyone else. The only difference between you and the people who succeed are that they push through that and they keep going. Even if they fail, they keep going. And so that's what I would say to you is just keep pushing through it. Yes, make sure you know what you're talking about. Make sure you're competent and everything else. But once you've done that, push through it until you accomplish it. And you will accomplish it because, frankly, most people aren't going to keep pushing. So just be the people that one of the people that does keep pushing. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. That's been my uh, secret sauce for a long time. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much. Appalachian Gunrunner absolutely. says this is a great episode. I 100% agree. You're an awesome person, Spike. I'm glad you came on. You. Hopefully we'll do this more and we'll do more things in the real world. Thanks so much. Stay right there. Guys, I'm going to end it right now. I'll see you all on Monday. Um, Thanks, everyone. I'm going to smash the button. We'll see you guys. We're out of here. Peace.